get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good Friday morning. Great to have you with us with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 7 a.m. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals and the Blues neither fell last night, neither lost, which is a great <laughs> thing. Michelle, good to see you. Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, you woke up this morning. Undefeated evening. There you go. I was going to say, you're not dealing with any losses. And you know that not only are the Cardinals back in action this weekend, but we finally have the return of official Blues hockey. Real Blues hockey on Sunday. Can't wait. Me either. It's going to be interesting and fun. I like how you led with interesting. (laughs) It is. Let's let's hope that they're uh, rocking and rolling. And they couldn't face a better opponent in their first real game than the Colorado Avalanche. I believe, even though... The Avalanche and the Knights and the Bruins and the Lightning all have better Vegas odds than the Blues to win the Stanley Cup. I think that the Blues' best opponent, their biggest obstacle in the West, is going to be Colorado, realistically speaking. Now, I know those Sharks in Vegas, Randy, they don't really care about a national bias, that they crunch the numbers and that's what Mm -hmm. they look at. But again, keep counting out the Blues. Keep giving them disrespect. I don't care if it's from Vegas. I don't care if it's from national awards. I don't care if it's not putting them in promo videos, whatever it is. Keep doubting them and disrespecting them. That's what they thrive off of. They love that. They do love that. And Randy, now that you've had some time to sleep, Uh I wonder if your perspective has changed because yesterday on Hot Take Thursday, you came in here firing, saying, you know what, the Blues are not going to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Well, it was my hot take. It was a hot take. Yeah, hot takes cool off, don't they? They do. So I wanted to just check your temperature today on that take. Well, um, let me see what happens Sunday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a, a pretty good but barometer. I, I will tell you this. In real terms, whether it was 2018 or 17 or 16 or 15 or 14 or 13, going all the way back to 1971, I can't tell you one memorable moment from a Blues preseason game ever. And Not you, one. And you are mega mind. So if there was a memorable yeah. moment from a Blues preseason game, you would be the guy to tell it. Yeah, I, I would think that I would remember something. I don't remember anything from any preseason. And I've been to a lot of preseason games, and I still don't remember them. Again, we're talking about practice, Randy. It's we are. practice. At the end of the day, we are. We're going to talk to Joe Vitale coming up at 8.15. We're also going to talk to our Cardinal Insider from The Athletic, Mark Saxon, in the 9 o'clock hour. And also in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to uh, hear the final segment of uh, Mike Golick, Mike Golick Sr. on Golick and Wingo. Mike Jr. is going to do the afternoon show at ESPN Radio, but we're going to sneak in and uh, eavesdrop on the last segment that uh, Golick and Wingo have. I was thinking about that run that Mike Golick Sr. has had on ESPN Radio. And I think a lot of people think that for radio or for TV and sports, you just kind of show up and talk. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they realize the never-ending grind of it and the prep work that's involved and how 
most people go home and they clock out and we go home and we we are prepping for the next show. We're prepping interview questions. We're watching the games. We're doing research. And that extends to weekends. And there's no tougher gig in this business than a morning show because you're getting up at, what, 2 o'clock in the morning and you're trying to stay up as late as you can to watch games. You really sacrifice your personal life to do that. And it is the anchor that surrounds that everything else surrounds at the network right and to be able to be essentially the franchise quarterback for 22 years in that spot and have the success that he has it's really remarkable yeah he's had an impressive amazing career in this business and it'll continue in tv hopefully we'll have college football it'll only be conference games but we'll have hopefully college football this fall and Golick will be doing that on ESPN. Meanwhile, the Cardinals start a three-game series tonight in Milwaukee and I remember a couple of years ago, a Friday night in Milwaukee, Michelle, where Jack Flaherty threw a brilliant one-hitter and he that's really when he flashed on the scene as spectacular. So you got a Friday night in Milwaukee against Brett Anderson. Should be an opportunity for the Cardinals to win a game. We talked yesterday, Randy, about how we were nervous about this Cardinals team, especially when it came to offense. But you got to feel positive anytime Jack Flaherty has the ball, especially yeah. after what you saw out of him in the home opener. So why not roll it back? Why not give us shades from a previous Jack Flaherty performance? I, I have no doubt that he's going to go out and be great tonight. Well, and the Cardinals have scored one, three, and zero runs in their last three games. They've scored four runs in their last three games. Mm. And maybe they just needed that break. You know, it's been a grueling season. Here we are <laughs> in late July. Maybe they just needed that break and uh, a chance to to reset, press the reset button with that day off before they head into Milwaukee. Here's the way that I'm looking at it, Randy. It seems to be feast or famine, and they've had their famine, so it's time to feast again. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> and it's against Milwaukee. I, I, but here's what the question is. What do they need to do to make us happy this weekend? Well, I think the obvious answer is to win. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. care how that happens. If Jack Flaherty is dealing tonight and the Cardinals sneak out a one nothing win, they're still winning. And that win carries a lot of weight, 2.7 times the weight that a normal win would. But if they go out <laughs> right. and they lose tonight and then you're on a four-game losing streak that does carry that much more weight, that's when I think not only we start to panic, but I think the Cardinals are starting to look at their offense and look at their club and say, we got to make some moves here. What are we doing? So, yes, while winning is the easy answer, I also just want to see some consistent offensive production. Uh, what do you think? At least three, four runs a game would yeah. make you satisfied? I-, I would be happy with four with the pitching staff that they have and what they should play opponent-wise most of the time because you aren't usually going to see an offense as good as Minnesota's is. If they could get to four runs a game and be reasonably consistent, that'd be great. Well, that's one of the other issues that we saw last year and so far this year it's been a problem. You score five in your opener, nine in your second game and then as we mentioned, one three and none the offense over the course of 60 games needs to be consistent you can't have 20 percent of your games where you score zero or one runs it just can't happen can't do it but randy if we crack the mics on monday morning and the cardinals sweep the series and they win each game by one or two runs they only generate a minimal amount of offense but they win how are you feeling i'm feeling good if they yeah. win three in a row then right they're probably in first place again and i have no problem with that the brewers and the cubs play by the way and the cubs are off to a good start and we all thought that if the cubs could stay healthy they'd be scary there's a long way to go in terms of being able to stay healthy but that's a team that over the course of 60 games if they can keep their players on the field and get kimbrell straightened out they could do some damage i just wonder if we're not going to 
come in here next early next week and even if the Cardinals win, be still concerned about these same issues persisting. Well, Because that's what happened last year. Here's you know? the, the good thing about it is that once you get past tomorrow and really once you get to Monday, throw out tomorrow as a Dylan Carlson date. And we're going to talk to Dylan Carlson in the next segment. But if you need to do something in terms of bringing up a player where you start the clock, you can do that after tomorrow mm-hmm. because that's when the service time uh, protocols kick in and you'll be able to keep him for the extra year. So at least there will be moves for the Cardinals to make. I do wonder, Michelle, because John Mosellek talked the other day about going outside the organization for a pitcher if uh, they needed somebody to replace Miles Michaelis. I wonder if they're giving any thought at all to going outside the organization to getting a hitter. Perhaps. I mean, you would think that based on what you've seen out of this offense, that they should be considering all options but at this of, point. They should. I just think it's so early. And with eight teams in each league making the playoffs this year, I think it's going to be almost impossible for a team to reasonably say, and I know it's not going to have any effect on their ticket sales, but it's going to be very difficult for a team to reasonably say, yeah, we're out of the race because pretty much everybody's going to be in the race. When you look at the National League right now, the entire league is separated by three games, and it's probably not going to be much different after the weekend. And Arizona, who thinks they're good, is the team that's three behind. Cincinnati, that thinks they're good, they're two and a half back. The uh, Phillies, who think they're good, are two back. The Cardinals, who think they're good, are two back. So it's all bunched up. And I think until you probably get to the trade deadline and things have spread out a little bit in terms of the standings, I think it's going to be hard to go out and convince another team to trade a hitter. And the Cardinals applying the same logic that they told us that they were th- in the way that they were thinking about starting pitching. You not only have to consider who you want to bring in, but then they have to go through the process. They have that downtime. It's not like you can just go and acquire someone right away. And I think that they're probably going to look at internal options before they would go outside the organization. And they might have to. By the way, uh, the team with the best record in the National League, Michelle, the Colorado Rockies. Oh, man. <laughs> Exactly what we didn't want to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Rockies to have success. Yeah, even better than the Dodgers. And satisfy Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay, we're winning. I'm happy. Have you given up hope on that one? Because every no. day that passes, I'm starting to think that it's... Uh, Arenado? Like, yeah, no. I don't know. I, don't, I just can't see them doing it. I, I've given up hope on them getting players too many times, and then they get them. <laughs> so, happened with McGuire, happened with Holiday. So I I don't give up on these guys. They're pretty good at what they do. But I do think Colorado, they might think that they have a chance to win. They don't have the brightest front office. No. So they might think, oh, we're 4-1, we're fine. Three best records in the National League are in the West. Rockies, Dodgers, and Padres. Then the Cubs and the fourth best record in the National League, or fifth best, even though they've only played three games, the Miami Marlins. Are you surprised? Still early. (laughs) Still early. (laughs) Still early. Yeah, what a nightmare situation there. Right, it's awful. The Cardinals and the Brewers tonight, you can see the game on FS Midwest, and they'll have the pregame for you at 7 with the action. uh, Today's the game's at at 110. Oh, we've got afternoon ball today. Is Dan doing a show here today? Which I am pumped for. I wonder, if is Danny going to be here and then head on over to Channel 9? What a gamer. He's a gamer. Yeah, he's a a hard worker. Yeah, so 11, 11, 15, he can get there because he drives super fast. Sorry, officers. And uh, so, yeah, he'll be fine. Don't you expect Dan to have a police escort, though? I kind of do, yeah. You know, he's a very valuable person. Yeah, Yeah, we need him. We need to get him to the studio. (laughs) 
That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, when is it decision time for the Cardinals on Dylan Carlson? That's next, and we want your input on the text line and with the mic drop next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. John Mozeliak and the Cardinals have maintained that they want to use this season to evaluate Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill, which is fine. That's great. There are plenty of at-bats for Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill in you, left field. Did you just remove Harrison Bader from that equation? I did. Okay, okay. I just believe, want to make sure. I believe that Harrison Bader has enough of a sample size, Michelle, to have been properly evaluated. And we've talked a lot about the difference in opportunity between a regular 162-game season and a 60-game season. And tonight, you reach the six-game point. You've played 10% of your season after tonight's games. That's 16 games. That's almost three weeks during the course of a regular 162-game season. So there's only so long you can go with evaluating a guy before you determine whether it's going to happen or not. Now, whether it's going to happen or not for Bader, we don't know, but can he help us this year? Is it going to happen? I think that they've probably, this weekend is probably the, the end of the evaluation period for him. It's got to be last stand. Yeah. And here it, it makes sense for the Cardinals. They don't want to fly guys. And I completely understand this. They don't want to fly a guy on a commercial flight from Springfield to Milwaukee because of all the protocols and all the success they've had with the protocols in avoiding the, the virus. Right. But if they can have him dro- drive back home after Sunday's Cardinal game in Milwaukee, and by the way, there aren't enough players to have inter-squad games in Springfield, so all he's doing is taking BP. I would hope that after this weekend, if nothing happens with Bader, and maybe even if something does, get him up here because you'll have passed that threshold for him in terms of service time, you'll be able to keep him for the full six years after this year, and he should give you a better opportunity to win. And last and certainly not least, he's not improving there. He's not going to become a better player by taking BP every day in Springfield. He's going to become a better player by being at the major league level, facing regular pitching, and playing games. We're talking about Dylan Carlson. Yes. And... I am, I'm with you. Since we've talked to Greg Amzinger weeks ago, and he said that any time that he observed the Cardinals in spring training, that Dylan Carlson was the best player on the field. And I always subscribe to the theory that you put your best guys out there. That's how I, I know we have contracts. I know that this, this is a business. I know you want to evaluate players, but you have to put your best players on the field to win, period. And I know that the Cardinals have a history of giving guys a bit of a leash because of contracts or because Mm -hmm. of evaluation. They certainly have a plan, and they like to stick to that plan. But if we learn anything in 2020, Randy, it's that plans go by the wayside, that you can't rely on your plans. And so I know the Cardinals heading into 2020 really wanted to evaluate O'Neal and Thomas and Bader. Even heading into this 2020 season, they remained steadfast with that plan. But... Time is moving very quickly, and as unfair as it might be to some of these guys because they don't get that that normal sample size to get in a rhythm and prove themselves, that's the cards that we were dealt, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. And so if Dylan Carlson is not getting the reps that he needs in Springfield, and that could be detrimental to him from a development standpoint, and you have an offense that desperately needs a shot in the arm, it just seems like a no-brainer to bring him up. Dylan Carlson has been way better at the minor league level than Harrison Bader was. And Harrison Bader was a pretty good player at the minor league level. But you go back to last year, 
uh, playing both double A and triple A. Carlson hit 292, had an OPS of 914. He hit 26 total home runs in the minors, drove in 68. And he's a switch hitter. He brings an element that Harrison Bader does not. Harrison Bader's at 938 major league plate appearances now. 1,000 is a pretty good threshold to make a, a judgment on a player. After 938 plate appearances at the major league level, Bader has a 709 OPS. He's a different player than Carlson. He's not going to be the home run hitter. He's got 27 homers and 86 runs batted in. In a slugging league, by the way, here's a guy that can run. He gets on base to the tune of 319. Not great for a guy who doesn't hit for a ton of power. And he has stolen 29 bases. So that's the the big thing that he brings you. But he doesn't get on base enough, and he's at the bottom of the order. So I don't think that at this stage he's the kind of hitter or overall player, when you look at his defense in the first five games this year, four that he's played, he, he doesn't bring enough to the table to help this particular team win. I always try to think about this not only from my perspective or our perspective, the fan perspective, but you ha- you have to think about it from the Cardinals' perspective. And prior to these five games that we've had, his numbers were what they were, and they still believed in him enough. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the way that I kind of look at it, is that they see something in him or they find him valuable to this club for some reason that when they could have moved him prior, they chose not to because they believe that he can turn into this player that's going to be part of their future. And while five games... Seems like a small sample size. We know that th- that these count for way more. I just wonder if they're still reluctant to pull the ripcord on it. That depends on whether they look at this year as an evaluation year or a winning year, right? Right. To me, that's what it comes down to. Do you want to win this year? Can you go down the line with a guy who's hitting 091 and has struck out virtually half the time that he's stepped to the plate? I don't think that you can win that way unless... You have a murderer's row. If Harrison Bader is playing center field for the Twins, different animal altogether. You're right. You put him at the bottom of that lineup with all of those home run hitters, and you can afford to carry that. The Cardinals aren't in a position with the rest of their outfield to be able to carry Harrison Bader in their lineup. They just don't have enough good hitters. And Carlson, he's your best prospect. He can play center field, and you can plug him in. And you can achieve all the business goals you want as well, because not only if you bring him up, whether it's tomorrow, which I think is unlikely, or Monday, which is more likely, but then not only do you have him for the 60 games of 2020, but you have him for 20, pending next year's CBA, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, which would be, hey, if he's that good, if then you re-sign him after his third year, like he did with Pujols. So you think we're going to see him Monday in Detroit? Yes. I I think that makes the most sense for the Cardinals. Have him drive here and then get him up to uh, Detroit. Yeah. And with last thing on Bader, too. Uh, I believe it was the first game versus Milwaukee when he made that throw that was off the line. Mm -hmm. And you could just see his demeanor knowing, hey, if I would have nailed this throw... It probably would have been part of a conversation piece about keeping me here. And I, listening to Jim Edmonds and Danny Mac talk about it on the broadcast, Danny Mac was like, or excuse me, Jim Edmonds was like, that throw's got to be on the line. This is why you keep Bader on this team is because of elite defense like this. Yeah, that's the one thing that he can bring to the table right now. And for two years now, two seasons, he hasn't brought much else to the table. And he has to become more selective. He is an easy mark for anybody with a slider. And some guys 
are able to adjust and overcome those deficiencies, he's not a guy that has been able to adjust. And what with what we're saying here, whether it's Dylan Carlson only playing against right-handed pitching and then against left-handers, you can play Thomas in center and then get Thomas's at-bats now and then in left. You can still get plenty of at-bats for three outfielders. The guy that would suffer in terms of getting offensive opportunities is Bader, who has had a significant offensive opportunity. I guess the question is, has he been given enough of a chance here? I think if Harrison Bader looks in the mirror at his performance, at his 938 plate appearances as a major leaguer, I think he has to, if he's rational, agree that he's had enough opportunity to to show his wares in, as an offensive player. You would think so. And with Dylan Carlson, Randy, do you have any concerns about him coming up? Only that he's just 20 years old. That would be the only one. He, he doesn't. He only had 18 games last year at AAA, although he did hit 361. Only had 72 at-bats at, at AAA, but he did in those uh, 72 at-bats. He homered five times and drove in nine. So, uh, I don't have any question about his maturity, about his baseball acumen, or about his ability. It's just experience and Mm -hmm. being able to get here and get acclimated quickly. But if he's this year, there's no way to become acclimated and get better at the minor league level at their their camp in Springfield. If they had a real minor league, I could understand it. If he was getting at-bats every day, to me, this is a waste of time. Yeah, for sure. My my only thing with him is about tempering expectations, which I know is unrealistic, but you look at this Cardinals offense and so many people are frustrated watching this play out over the past three games and they're thinking, okay, Dylan Carlson's going to come in and be the spark and he can't elevate the entire offense. No. You're going to need these other guys to also ascend and give you some consistent offensive production too. So even if he comes in and does his job and the team is still losing... I just don't want everyone to expect the team to all of a sudden everybody turn around because Dylan Carlson is here. Just keep him off Twitter. If you do that, if you just if you keep him off Twitter, it'll be fine. There's no fans to provi- provide any pressure, and the only pressure is going to come from the unrealistic expectations of social media, which are always mm-hmm. going to be there. So just take away his phone. If you're a young player, why would you even want to be on social media? Like I look at Jack Flaherty, who's so active on social media, mm-hmm. and he does a great job of getting his opinions out there and of branding himself in that way. And if you're a young player, it's part of the game, right? You need to have your follower count up for endorsement. It's a mm-hmm. great opportunity for you to make money. It's a great opportunity for you to express yourself outside of the game and what you do as a conduit through the media. But also, why would you ever want to look at your mentions? Why would you ever want to be on social media and you say, something or you have a rough game and hear what people have to say about you. You don't want that. You don't want that. I don't understand well I I think some players just the curiosity killed the cat, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. They have to see what people are thinking and saying about them. But especially young people, they don't understand how dark social media is and how bitter and how angry social media can be, even if you're good, let alone yeah. if, if you're if, if you're a player that plays on a bad team or if you're struggling. Well, you, I think it was in, on ESPN.com. Remember that story that came out that said NBA players were all checking Twitter during halftime? Yeah. They wanted to see what people were saying about them during halftime. That cannot be healthy for you. No, not at all. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. So... What do you think? I, that's the bottom line here. And we want to hear from you with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text. But uh, before we talk about the Blues, Michelle, what do you think? Do you think he'll be up on Monday? I, I think I, I think so, yes. I think he will. I think he will. And 
I want to say yes because I want him up, but I think the and because I think that he deserves to be up, and the Cardinals could certainly use him. But I think the developmental portion of this that he's not going to be able to get the reps in Springfield that he needs is just as important as what he can bring to this Cardinals team. And if Vader is still hitting 091 and has played after this weekend, or if he's hitting 100 and has played after this weekend in Milwaukee, and the Cardinals don't bring Dylan Carlson up, then that tells you about their approach this season. That. They do just want to evaluate, and some teams like to do that, but that would tell us, tell me at least, that they're in what we would normally call a rebuilding phase, an evaluation phase, and that winning is not a high priority this year, which might be a good thing because they are trying to sell tickets. So it's either evaluation or win. We'll find out. Yeah. Next up, the Blues play real action on Sunday, at least for NBC and the NHL, it's perceived as real action, but... How much does it mean when they play Colorado on Sunday here on 101 ESPN? That's next with Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Before we get to the blues, Michelle has never seen Jaws. You have to see Jaws. (laughs) Do I, though? Does it hold up? So especially now, because ripped from the headlines, Michelle. A shark that killed a former New York City fashion executive off the coast of Maine has been identified as a great white shark, and it's still out there in the water just off the coast of Maine. Yikes. Have you ever heard of the uh, handbag company Kipling North America? You know what? I haven't. Okay. Uh, Julie Dimperio Holowatch was president of the handbag company Kipling North America. She was swimming with her daughter at about uh, 3.30 on Monday, 20 yards off Bailey Island in Maine, when she was attacked by the beast. So they, she was just swimming casually? Yeah, swimming casually, yeah. And then uh, somebody needed a, a late lunch, and uh, it wound up being the shark that uh, handled Julie, yeah. That, yeah right. just, uh, for lunch. Yeah. That is, quite a snack. That is mm. horrific to think that you could be out there with your daughter just taking a late afternoon dip, mm-hmm. relaxing, and boom, great white shark. Yeah. And what happened to the? Did it say what happened with the daughter? Did she just swim ashore? What a strong swimmer! You'd have to think so. So Holowatch was in a black wetsuit, and uh, the daughter was in a blue one piece as they started swimming out while laughing and enjoying the water. Oh um, man, what a bummer! It is kind of it, well, it, no, it's a serious bummer. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, I don't. Oh, a kayaker rushed to the aid of the daughter, uh, who became distraught, and uh, they brought her back in. So sad. The main avoid that main ocean though, or sea, or whatever. Did the shark water. take her whole, or did did they get the body at least? Does it say? Uh, yeah. I was kind of trying to find the end of the story. She was. Uh, yeah, apparently she has. Let's see. They have found. Part of her, yeah. Uh, Kayaker (laughs) rushed to try to help Holowich in the water, but uh, wasn't able to help. Uh, But uh, she did float to shore. If you were the kayaker, would you rush to help? No way. (laughs) No way. That person deserves a medal because I think I might be like, what's going on there? I'm going to kayak to get help. Help. Let's (laughs) go back to this, though. The black wetsuit, very likely mistaken for a seal by by the shark because of the wetsuit. Wow. I don't know why. I just kind of assume sharks might be colorblind. I don't know. That's a good thought. You know, I, But it I, kind I of does look like a seal if you're wearing a black wetsuit, though. Sure, but I can't imagine a shark being able to really discern the difference between a black and a blue wetsuit. That's true. That's a good point. You know, saying, yeah. oh, no, that's more cerulean, actually. This one might be a seal. 
I did. So anyway. I was told when I lived in Connecticut that there are a lot of sharks around Cape Cod off the coast there in Massachusetts, which surprised me. I don't know why. I just didn't expect there to be a lot of sharks up in the Northeast. No, you, well, that's where Jaws occurred. Oh, really? See, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We're landlocked, Randy. I don't know about these it's things. It's apparently a Jersey thing, Michelle. Oh, no, yeah, really? Jaws was based on something that happened in New Jersey. Oh, is it a true story? Yeah. What? Yeah, it is. So is there a specific shark that was Jaws? Yeah, like it was 1916. Okay, but one more play here before we get to the blues. 1916. Yeah. So this lady was a handbag pre- company president. When they catch this particular shark, doesn't somebody have to make, like, shark skin handbags out of that? In her honor? Yes. And, and kind of as a little retribution. You know what this is? This is just like Happy Gilmore and Chubbs, the gator that took Chubbs' hands. Yes. They, this you. company needs to exhaust all their resources, find this shark, capture it, kill it, and then make handbags out of it. It's a great idea. Which I don't know. You know, don't great. come after me, Peta. I was just kidding. <laughs> Peter, people eating tasty animals. <laughs> Do you think that Jaws really does hold up? Should I watch it? Because you and Danny Mac talk about yes. movies every day that I haven't seen. And I truly wonder, if I went through the list, how many would I still enjoy? Because if you go back on some of those scary movies, Randy, you're like, mm, that blood, not so real. It's not as scary no, anymore. You, Jaws will be scary for you. It's great. Now, it's much better in a theater, but if you watch it on your screen, it's, it'll still be mildly scary. Is Especially it- it'll prevent you from going into the ocean. Well, I live in Missouri, Randy, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, but you've seen a few oceans in your time. That's true. Uh, is Jaws only scary because of the score? No. Uh, there are some great scenes in Jaws that are really scary. It's great. All right. So. I, you know, when you were talking about the handbags, I thought you were going to go shark, hand pass, blues. Oh, I yeah. There's going to be some sort of a blue wetsuit, a shark, or, a handbag, a hand pass. I thought there was going to be some sort of transition there. We could go uh, maybe... Western Conference champions because they vanquished the shark last year? Yeah, how about this? <laughs> the blue wetsuit overcame the shark the same way the blues overcame the sharks last year. There we go. On their run to the Stanley Cup <laughs> championship, right. Randy. probably had a blues logo. Which is why I am not concerned. Oh, there you go. You're wearing your Stanley Cup gear this morning, which I'm happy to see after we heard this out of you yesterday, Randy. Hey, you watched last night's game, and the Blues are not repeating as Stanley Cup champions. (gasps) (laughs) That comment was scarier to me than Jaws could ever be. That was breathtaking to you. To hear you say that you don't think the Blues are going to repeat, it it shocked me to my core. I'm still shook. (gasps) I did guess. I really did. I wish that we were live streaming this show because people people could have seen my face when you said oh, that. Yeah, you were stunned. It was I know it was a hot take Thursday. I was prepared for you know some for some takes, Randy, for some quakes. But I didn't think you were going to go that far after a practice game, essentially. Well, these are for the Blues practice we're talking games. About practice, yeah, we are. Uh, think about this. Craig Ruby's already told us, and Doug Armstrong has already told us they don't really care about seating, so. Sunday, you get to into that game against Colorado, and maybe like you said, you're just trying to uh, chum the water a little bit, for, <laughs> as it were. It's for the segment, right? Yeah, it does. For the, the rest of the league, and you just say, oh, okay. Well, they think the Blues are an easy mark, and then all of a sudden the playoffs start, and the Blues are the Blues again. So are you thinking that the Blues just want to exit this round robin healthy, and that they're laying in wait underneath the water like a shark? Yes, that's exactly it. They want everybody but, to think, oh, the Blues have lost a touch. And here's the thing. I believe that the Blues 
as they play these games, as they played Chicago on Wednesday night, as they play Sunday, as they play on the 6th and the 9th, I think the Blues, much like Jaws, are just going to be getting hungrier and hungrier and hungrier, waiting for that big prey, the person in the black suit, uh, the the black uh, wetsuit. That's what they're waiting for in the first round of the playoffs. And then what they'll do is they'll just chomp down uh, when the playoffs start. Take no prisoners. No. No one will survive. Yeah. Now, Alex Petrangelo... <laughs> Obviously, was excited about playing against Chicago, and just real hockey is something that all the Blues are looking forward to. Well, I mean, look, we could have done four days of training camp and been fine. It's it's more playing games that's really going to prepare you for for anything. So, you know, whether it was one exhibition game or two, it's it's got to find a way to get ready. So we have one, and we got through it. Now we get ready for Sunday, but. You can only do so many drills and practice so much until you want to play a game. So I think uh, we're just happy to kind of get one underneath us here to get ready for next week. I do think they need to enhance their care level each game, though. Colorado, Vegas, uh, Dallas, or is it Dallas, Vegas, whatever. Each of the games, as they go along, they're going to have to build up the intensity more and more because they do have to reach playoff intensity for game one. And whoever they play is going to have been playing intense playoff hockey for a series already. That's right. And so heading into this game versus Colorado, you certainly want to see an uptick in intensity from the Blues. You want to see more of that physical style of play. You certainly want to see some goals being scored. You want to see the defense get a little bit more of the lockdown that we're used to seeing them. But I'm not going to even judge the Blues off of this first game, and certainly not on what we saw versus Chicago. It's not the first game of the round, Robin, that I care about. It's the last game. How much have you progressed? How much by the time that you're ready to go into into winner tape winner advance loser go home type hockey? Are we seeing blues type of hockey? And I know it might sound weird, and it'd be weird if Colorado has the same philosophy that Chicago had the other night. If Colorado is playing their best game and the Blues are just worried about what they're doing on Sunday, you can't worry about the outcome. And ultimately, the Blues know how to find their game. I would think that Colorado's probably going to try to send a message, wouldn't you think, on Sunday because of who they are and who the Blues are? And because they're finally healthy. And they are looking at the Blues as, hey, you know, we know that we have to go through you to to get what we want. And so I would certainly think they would try to send a message. But I don't think the Blues are going to be rattled by it, Randy. I don't care what type of message Colorado wants to send. The Blues are going to, uh, they're the most mentally tough team I've ever covered. I'm not concerned. We do know that the Blues can get blown out in a game at home. Like the first game that they've ever played in the finals at home since 1970. Yeah, that was bad. That was. But then they can come back and still win a series. And a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So I'm not worried about Sunday. I'll be worried about the 6th and the ninth. What was that, Game 3 Stanley Cup Final? Yeah. Oh, man, that was brutal. Yeah, he was Is that when Bennington got pulled? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. And bad. then we had that Boston radio guys cheering in our in our booth. Oh, behind enemy lines? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That was kind of weird. Hey, you know what? They were crying by the end. Yeah, they were, and that was really all that mattered. Yeah, that's true. Coming up on Carriker and Smallman, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for take it or leave it. 
Sharks have kind of become a topic du jour. <laughs> Didn't expect that, but no. hey, it's Friday. Well, Why not? We and we do appreciate any and all information we get about sharks. Jaws was indeed based upon a 1916 shark attack in New Jersey. And Steven Spielberg produced Jaws. That was one of his early movies, maybe his first, uh, because of that 1916 shark attack and made Jaws. Amityville, I think, was the not like unlike the Amityville horror, the movie, but Amityville was apparently the site of Jaws. And we do have a lot of knowledgeable people. Hey, a lot of people like Shark Week, right? Oh, Shark Week's awesome. Yeah. So we got this uh, little tidbit of information via the mic drop feature on 101 ESPN. So during Shark Week a few years ago, it was proven that great white sharks can identify different colors. They tend to strike at colors that are darker and avoid colors that are a little bit lighter. And they've also been um, proven that they do know the difference in smells and they are attracted to pee. So when you are swimming, do not pee in the ocean. You will attract a shark. Okay, so yellow white suits and go to the bathroom before you go out swimming. Yellow white, yellow uh, body suits for swimming when you're going out into the ocean with the potential for sharks. This is why we have the best listeners in sports yeah. because they provide us with this type of information. And how many people have jumped off a boat, Randy, saying, hey, I need to use the restroom. I'm just going to jump off the boat into the deep, deep waters it's of the sea. The ocean. Tread it's not a water. Pool. Right. And right. I'm just going to go to the bathroom, swim around a little bit, cool off. Yeah. Wow. Don't let that happen in an ocean because you're bound to get eaten. I have never been afraid to swim in an ocean. Now, lakes, yes, because I'm terrified of snakes. And uh-huh, I've seen those true. water moccasins, and they come at you with abandon. They don't care. They're not afraid. So I've been afraid to, to swim in a lake. I'll still do it. But never in an ocean. And now I'm definitely going to be afraid to pop in I will, for a quick dip. I will, still go in Maine. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I have no problem wading into an ocean. And I think there's just as good a chance of me probably running across a dolphin that's willing to smile at me and communicate, <laughs> try to communicate, whatever sound they Wait, make. Wait, how does it sound? Yeah. What's the sound? Uh, do dolphins go, <laughs> I don't know what dolphins do. <laughs> Give me a dolphin sound. I don't know. Scott, can we pull one yeah. up? Yeah, we'll, an actual... we'll get a dolphin sound. You but know what? That first I... one did sound like Snowflake, though, from Ace Ventura. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that did sound like Snowflake. He purred a little. Yeah. Not purr, but, you know, whatever that dolphin sound is. So, Or, or Flipper an old TV show. There was a TV, a, a shark, or not a shark, a dolphin had a TV show. So I do have no problems because I think the odds of me running into something that I would enjoy in the ocean are greater than something that I wouldn't enjoy. And hey, honestly, I'm going to be friendly to the shark and we're going to have a good relationship. I'm you re- say, hey, I, I know about your team. So we, sorry we beat you but in the playoffs. But I know about you. Yeah, you think that the shark is going to swim up to you and see you wearing a blues wetsuit. And is it going to be like that hand pass? <laughs> we should have won after that. You think he's not going to attack you? I'd be a little bit We should have won one for Joe Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, your first one then. Thank you. You want to try again? <laughs> I can't do it as well as the the actual dolphin can, but still, I can do it. <laughs> I can't.
I, I can communicate with the dolphins. Though. They can communicate with people. <laughs> Randy, if you're in the ocean and you see a, a shark's fin approaching, I'm going to go ahead and say, don't make that sound. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> shoot them the other way. Shoot them the other way. It's the echolocation. <laughs> You'll be set. You'll be wow. set. Hey, it's okay, Randy. Right. I can make this like obnoxious <laughs> cough. And I was called like a goose when I was growing up. Oh, really? So can I, you still do it? <laughs> Wow, that's impressive. You know, that was, that was alarming. I was made fun Did of a lot. Did you just blow though. out a lung? Are you all right? <laughs> I know. It sounds Are like you? I've been okay. smoking for 10 years. Seriously. Wow. <laughs> Are you going to dip out every break now and fire up some heaters? What is going on here? <laughs> Scott Manziara has your take it or leave it for us on 101 ESPN. All right, guys. From the 636, take it or leave it. After we throw in Bader in the Nolan Arenado trade, he will become an all-star within two years. I'll take it. That Colorado air? Those balls will start flying. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he'll become like a 20 home run guy. And he'll patrol that center field like nobody ever has. I'm going to take it because that means Arenado's here in St. Louis. Yeah, right. And I think we all wish well for Harrison Bader. He's a nice guy. Yeah. We want him to do well. So if it has to happen somewhere else, that's fine. I have heard and read that the Rockies have no idea what they're doing when it comes to analytics. Hmm. And actually, that might benefit him, too. If they just let him be a baseball player and don't fill his head with ideas and thoughts as he goes up to the plate, that might actually be better for him. Yeah, I I don't wonder if with Harrison Bader, too, there was a lot of pressure applied. We've talked about this. He was kind of the face of the the next wave of players. They rolled him out to uh, model the baby blues. He was doing a lot of interviews that, what was it, two off seasons ago, I guess, um, on MLB Network. We saw him everywhere because he is a a personable guy. He's someone that you certainly looked at his his defensive skills, his age. And if you're the Cardinals, naturally, you would say, this is somebody that we think we can market. He's good at interviews. So I don't of joy, always smiling. Uh, totally. I don't blame them for taking that approach with him. I think it was a smart move, but that also then comes with an entire different element of pressure for Harrison Bader. Not to mention that you're looking over your shoulder knowing that you have all these other guys who are ready and willing to take your spot. And not to mention that if you're already struggling a little bit offensively for a big chunk of last year, you had two different hitting coaches in place that might have been giving you conflicting information. There's just a lot of factors at play, I think, for him from a pressure standpoint. But hey, that's the, that's professional sports. There's always going to be pressure in some way, shape, or form. But that's the only reason, Randy, when we talk about Harrison Bader, that I wonder if the Cardinals don't have a longer leash on him than we as fans might, because they did invest a lot in him. You think if if they didn't see something in him that they projected to be a piece of their future puzzle, they would have moved him. They had the chance last year. They They could have traded him for Zach Wheeler. Exactly. They could have moved him to the Mets. And so that's why... They keep telling us that they have a plan and that they want to evaluate these guys, and I'm listening to them. So while I want to see Dylan Carlson come up, I also will not be surprised if they give Harrison Bader more runway. Hey, they, they don't lie about stuff like that. No. We're all hoping, but they, whenever Mo says we're, we committed this year to evaluating those guys, every time he's ever said something like that, it's wound up being the case. Right. From the 314, take it or leave it, Tyler O'Neill hits 15 home runs this season. I'll take that. I'll take no, that. No, no, no. 15 out of 60, a quarter of the games, no. Sorry. Oh, I know. I have to I, keep doing the short <laughs> math. Yeah. Um, what do you think? 10? I think 10 would be tremendous. I'll I'll go with nine. Okay. Take it or leave it. If I see a shark in the ocean, there's going to be some pee. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll take that for me. Yeah, if I'm out in the ocean, yeah, there's no doubt. That- you better not, Randy. 
It's going to scare me. No, but we're not listening. I was just going to say, were you not listening to what our great listener told us? That's a big no-no. You do not do that. Yeah, hopefully I am, I have enough presence of mind to hold it in while somebody else doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, you'd be swimming away from anybody. Yeah. Take it or leave it. You're still thinking about taking a vacation to an ocean right now. I'll take that. Oh, I'll take it. I think about vacation every day. (laughs) Yeah. So if I could get out on a beach and feel safe and comfortable, and that includes like flying to wherever, I would do it. I used to travel a lot, Randy. Mm, I know. I did not sit still. And I love St. Louis, as you know, and Mm -hmm. so do you. But part of loving St. Louis so much is that it's centrally located and you can go a lot of places. And it's such an affordable and great place to live that you can afford to travel if that's something that you desire. And for me to not have gone anywhere in eight months and to just have been here in kind of this restrictive form, I'm dying to go somewhere. Dying to go somewhere. Down in spring training, I went for a walk on the beach one afternoon. We were doing the morning show then. Uh, we, we flipped to the morning. and Obviously, we're doing the morning show now. But one afternoon, it was really hot, and I went for a walk on the beach in Jupiter. And I was walking back, and I was super hot and sweaty, so I took my shirt off. <laughs> and I'm walking along, and somebody else, let's go blues! Then I remember, I, ta- I took my shirt off, and I have the, the tattoo. Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, I get it now. But, but Jupiter, a lot of St. Louis sports fans. Cool, so, of course. Yeah, so... If you go to a place like that, if you go to Destin, certainly, you're going to run into a lot of other St. Louisans, too. I used to wear my Cardinals hat a lot when I was out and about in New England, whether it was in Connecticut or when I would go to New York City. We went hiking one time in the Hudson Valley in New York, and I had a Cardinals hat on, and three different people yelled out, let's go Cardinals at me. That's great. That's just something that I I think Cardinals fans, Blues fans, we run deep. We're all across the country. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it. Somebody else rather than the Lakers or the Bucks, will win the NBA Finals this year. Ooh, that's a good one. There's only one other team. The Clippers? Yeah. But I'm going to... I'm going to leave that. I think LeBron does win here with the Lakers. Do you want LeBron to win with the Lakers? I'm, I, I, I can go either way, yeah. So I was a, and am a big LeBron fan. I would love to see Giannis win because mm, me too. he's... So likable and so talented. Especially before he leaves. <laughs> Especially before he leaves. Great call. But I was not pleased that LeBron went to the Lakers. I thought, you know, it's a, kind of a business decision. He's got a lot of other side hustles out there. I just don't really love the Lakers. I didn't want to see him there. But then after Kobe passed away this year, I just think it would be such an amazing story yeah. to have LeBron, who was close with Kobe, go and win a championship for the Lakers. So yeah. I'm kind of rooting for him to win. It's interesting because there's so much talk about hey, LeBron uh, going and leading a third team to the NBA Finals in a championship. Well, Kawhi Leonard's trying to do that too. <laughs> That's right. People forget. <laughs> so, yeah. So he can do it too. So that'd be pretty cool too. That's what we got today. Alright, thank you, Scotty. You got it. And we thank you for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Next up, uh, aside from those two teams, is there a team that we're emotionally pulling for? Obviously, we're ahead with those. But what about with our heart in terms of the NBA bubble? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
The Cardinals will play today's game, certainly, without Dylan Carlson. It's a day game in Milwaukee. Dylan Carlson still at the Cardinals' secondary camp in Springfield, Missouri. And the question is still, are we going to see Dylan Carlson as a member of the 2020 Cardinals? The service time issue after tonight will have been cleared, and the Cardinals will be able to bring him up, and he won't get a full year of service if the Cardinals play in to uh, don't play him in tonight's game or today's game, which they aren't going to. Uh, Mark Saxon joined uh, Rivs and BK here on 101 ESPN and talked about the idea of Carlson joining the 2020 Cardinals. Other than Dylan Carlson, there's nobody new who hasn't been tried that can generate that offense for the outfield because right now this team is getting an overwhelming percentage of its offense from the infield. And, you know, it just seems like a wasted opportunity Typically, you can find outfielders who can hit, and they just haven't been able to do that. And the Cardinals' outfield obviously has struggled so far. And, Michelle, you're talking about a guy that is one of the top ten prospects in all of baseball, the Cardinals' number one prospect. And we can argue that because of the death of Oscar Tavares, as Mark Saxon writes at The Athletic, Carlson is their best hitting prospect since Pujols came up in 2001. Yeah, the Cardinals have been feeling the reverbs of that tragic loss from Tavares for years now. He was a major piece of their plan and of their future. How many times did we hear about that, about how Oscar Tavares was going to be the player that that's, this team built around? He was supposed to be a left-handed hitting Vladimir Guerrero, who is in the Hall of Fame. There you go. And with Carlson, he we have heard about him, What would you say as much as Tavares... Maybe maybe it seems that way now because of social media, the way that social yeah, media have, is yeah. so prominent. But it just feels like we have heard about Carlson so much. And the Cardinals have made it clear that they think that he's going to be a star and that they know that they've got a player in him and that he's somebody that they're projecting to be an anchor of their future. And if that's the case, clock or no clock, if you're looking at the situation in Springfield, if he's not going to play every day and get those game reps that you would need for his development, why would you want to stunt that growth in any way? And you hit the nail on the head. As Mark Saxon writes at The Athletic, the Cardinals have had a difficult time building a competitive environment at their Springfield camp thus far. Due to a lack of coaches, players are getting scant, if any, work on their defense. Carlson has gotten live at-bats just twice in the past week. There have been no intra-squad games because there aren't enough players to field teams. Even when they do square things away, Carlson wouldn't be facing Major League Caliber competition. Two of the players at the satellite camp, Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker, were playing high school ball just a few months ago. So the question that we're going to ask has to be asked by the Cardinals themselves. Does it make any sense to have Dylan Carlson down there without enough coaching, without enough reps, without enough games, when he could be up here with a 30-man roster? By the way, they might stick with that 30-man roster because of all the teams that are missing games and the idea that they're going to go towards a lot more doubleheaders. Is it better for the Cardinals to have him working out with this team and actually playing game action than being down there and basically kind of sitting around? You would think the answer is a clear-cut yes, yes, right, Randy? you would think so. You would think so. And I, I just would not want to see their evaluation of him be diminished in any way because he's not getting these reps that he needs. And he could get reps here, not only game reps, but the fact that they do have batting practice before every game and that there are still pitchers that are trying to get their reps with live BPs. There are going to be a lot of opportunities, especially once... Uh, Henesis Cabrera and Alex Reyes are here. 
there's going to be opportunities for guys to get some at-bats, at least in a practical environment. I also think about if you're projecting him to be a big part of your future and that he's going to be a superstar, that means he's probably going to be a leader. And mm-hmm. in addition to everything that you need to see him see from him from a skill set standpoint, it's valuable for him to learn from Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and Paul Goldschmidt and be in the clubhouse and be around these guys and get used to being a major league player. I do think that I, I know that things change in a hurry in sports and we're glad about that. But the last time we saw Mike Schilt, after Wednesday night's game, he said that he believes that Harrison Bader still believe, still deserves more opportunities. He said that uh, already this season that uh, Bader has shown his hitting has improved to warrant everyday at-bats. I'm not seeing it. And the quote was from Mike Schilt, he deserves the opportunity to get in a little bit of a rhythm to see what he can do. The possibilities aren't endless, but he does deserve opportunities. We like the shape of our lineup. And Mike Schilt never says anything bad about anybody or his lineup. So hopefully things can change and do change in a hurry. Either whether it's Bader being great and turning into a player, although he says the possibilities aren't endless, or bringing up Dylan Carlson. Are you going to win this year without Dylan Carlson on your roster? Right now, you'd have to say probably not. Do you think with this team, though, you would win with Dylan Carlson on your roster? That's, I think, a question they're asking themselves, too. I think you have, they have to ask that question, but at least he's going to have a chance to ascend. This is If they want to evaluate players, if they want to turn players into better winning ball players for 2021, then, it, again, it makes sense to have Carlson here. If you're evaluating guys to see who you want to have play for 2021, then you should be, you should be evaluating that guy, too. I really hope that their evaluation of Dylan Carlson is spot on. I want to see one of these outfielders turn into the player that they are projected to be. It seems like it's been this never-ending line of guys, Randy, from, I mean, even we can talk now, Harrison Bader, uh, Tyler O'Neill, Randall, Randall Grichuk, Randy Rosarena. It just seems, Oscar Tavares we talked about all the time. Yep. It just seems, and, and I'm missing Stephen Piscotti. Adolis I mean, Garcia is a regular for the Rangers now. We can go on and on and on. There's so many, pl- Tommy Pham, right? I yep. mean, there's so many guys that have projected to be impact outfielders for the Cardinals that either haven't ascended to that here and have gotten moved or just haven't panned out. So I really would like to see Dylan Carlson up here and turn into that player. Yeah, and, and by the way, Randy Rosarena apparently is going to get an opportunity with Tampa Bay too and they're already using Martinez, Jose Martinez. So I can't think of a reason why the Cardinals shouldn't bring up Carlson and give him a chance. I I just from every angle I can't think of a reason why he shouldn't be here. Can you? No. It doesn't make sense. All right, let's take a look at the NBA. The regular season resumed last night. Lakers and Clippers played. Right now, the odds have the Lakers and the Bucks tied as the favorites and then the Clippers are at plus 300. And then we talked about who else are you thinking of? You go from the Clippers at plus 300, Michelle, to the Celtics at plus 1,200, and the Rockets at plus 2,000. So the three teams that we look at as the favorites, Lakers, Bucks, Clippers, are prohibitive favorites to win the whole ball of wax. I would I would certainly say that that's fair. And is there anyone, though, from an emotional standpoint, Randy, that you're looking at amongst those three? Because if we go below that, obviously, we're always going to root for the Celtics because of the Jason Tatum factor. But if the Celtics don't end up in the finals. Yeah, I want to see the smaller market win. I I want to see the Bucs. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because 
the Lakers and Clippers can do what they want. Look at the way they have manipulated the system. The Lakers to get LeBron and AD last year. The Clippers obviously used their acquisition of Kawhi Leonard to go out and basically force Oklahoma City to move Paul George to them. The Bucks aren't in such a situation. And I would like to see Milwaukee win a championship with Giannis because they aren't going to be able to keep him around. And I want to see the Midwestern team succeed. Always Team Midwest, right? Yeah. And you're right. They're not going to be able to keep him around. And I just think Giannis, where hard. And I think the more teams and the more guys that win, you know, whether it's a Kawhi or, you know, a, a Giannis, it's better for the NBA to have more guys win, to have it not be LeBron or the Warriors every year. <laughs> okay, you're going to put uh, 20 bucks down. You're going to Vegas. You're going to put 20 bucks down on one of the teams that isn't one of the three favorites. Using your head, not your heart. Who are you going with on that long shot list? And you've got the Celtics at plus 1,200, the Rockets at plus 2,000, the Raptors at plus 2,500, Sixers and Nuggets at plus 33. Then you've got Miami and Utah, Dallas, Brooklyn. Brooklyn has no chance. I can't imagine that the Pacers would have longer odds than the Nets, but they do. And then Oklahoma City at plus 10,000. I would prefer to make this wager after I see the Celtics take on the Bucks today. Okay. <laughs> because you would have a better uh, handle on what you're going to see out of the Celtics. But I'm even removing the St. Louis factor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Celtics because we've seen Jason Tatum and what he can be, especially in the postseason. And what we saw him do in the regular season in the NBA I would not be surprised if we see him go out there and ball. I think that is the smart the move. I'm going to go dumb, though. I'm going to I'm going to play a dumb move. Okay. Can I guess? Yeah. Is it the 76ers? No. I don't like Philadelphia. I I just... You don't trust the process, Randy? I really do not. (laughs) Here's the reason it's dumb. is because they have to go through both the Clippers and the Lakers, probably. But I think Houston has the players to do it, even though they don't have a ton of size. I think if you could get Westbrook and Harden healthy and hot for a two-week period, they might be able to beat both of those teams. Now, they're going to have to defend an AD and a LeBron without much size. And you're going to have to defend, obviously, uh, Kawhi and and George. But Houston could light it up offensively. Even if they don't play great defense, they're a team that could win games 120 to 115 and come up with it. But uh, I, I think it's a dumb pick, but that would be the one that I would go with. I wouldn't put 20 bucks on it, but that would be the one one that I would go with. Is there a team that you would put 20 bucks on, even including the top three? Yeah, I, I put 20 buck on, bucks on the Lakers. So would I. That's the only. Yeah. I'm not a gambler, but that's the only team I would really feel that yeah. confident in putting yep. 20 bucks down on. Uh, that is today's uh, fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Scotty, do you, are you trying to say something? No, I was just gonna. I was just trying to lower the mic down, but okay. I would say the sex, 76ers. Okay, that was that was who I was going to pick. Yeah. Actually, there is no chance that we're going to go through. Is this will be a two month period? There's no chance we go through two months with Joel Embiid being healthy. No chance. Zero. You're going to put money down on that. You're going to put, put twenty money, bucks down I'll on that. Put hundred bucks down on that. <laughs> and he's already hurt. He didn't even do anything. He just went to the bubble and laid in bed and got hurt. Next up, we're going to talk to Joey Vitale. Into the Blues booth we go on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you on 101 ESPN. Joe Vitale is back to calling Blues hockey. Had one on Wednesday night against the Blackhawks. We'll have another one on Sunday against Colorado as the Blues get into the qualifier, actually the uh, round robin portion of their tournament. The qualifiers are 
trying to get into the playoffs. Uh, Joey, we want to start with this, though. Reports out of Maine that a shark attacked a woman and killed her. It's a great white shark. And the question for us today is, uh, do you have the guts to go into an ocean with the knowledge that a shark may or may not be there? Do I have the guts? Is that a question as if I know it's out there somewhere or is it speculation? Um, Yeah, Randy, no. No, Randy, (laughs) absolutely not. Randy, I, I am terrified of the ocean. It's, there is something about not knowing what is below me. There, there was a great conversation, you know, so I, in Pittsburgh especially, so I was the leader. They had this board they called the Joey chalkboard. And it was actually, it was funny because it was actually a whiteboard. I don't know why they called it a chalkboard. Um, and I, I would put up hypotheticals or I would challenge guys to questions. I put up a random fact. And I, and I would do it almost on a daily basis. And the guys really appreciated it because it kind of stirred up some good conversation in the locker room. One day I put up there, I'll never forget this one, because this one lasted for a good week. The question was, would you rather have to survive a week in the rainforest or one night, 24 hours, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean? And I was blown away by how many people would rather spend one night in the ocean Versus the rainforest. And because, like like what you just said, I'm fine with being in the wilderness. Yeah, you, there's spiders and cougars and all kinds of poisonous bugs and stuff that will probably get you. But at least you can see what's coming. You know the fear. You feel it, right? But the ocean just freaks me out because you just do not know what's below you. And those great white sharks, man, they come out of nowhere. So to answer your question, I'm always terrified of the ocean. So knowing there's a great white out there, absolutely, I'm not going in the water. Joey, in this hypothetical, though, are you treading water the entire time you're in the ocean? Because if so, I'm definitely choosing rainforest. Okay, so it's a fair question. We decided on at the time a life jacket. Okay, okay. so your legs, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. If it was like yeah. an inner tube. You'll never and you, make it. Yeah, if you have an inner tube or something, yeah. Oh, first of all, yeah, you're not, you have some flotation device, but we didn't want to give it a full flotation device where no body part was uh, exposed in the water. So we decided with the life vest so you could float. But again, there, there's some dangling parts hanging below, and you don't know who's going to start bumping in you. Joey, something else happened on this show yesterday that was more horrific to me than any great white shark attack, and I want to play it for you, but this is something that Randy Carricker said on these airwaves yesterday. Hey, you watched last night's game, and the Blues are not repeating as Stanley Cup champions. <gasps> Joey, <gasps> please oh, talk some oh, sense oh, into Randy Carricker here. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Randy. Oh, my heart. My heart. You did not. <laughs> You, Michelle, you're you're pretty good at technology. You must have manipulated that somewhere. There's no way Randy would say that. Joe, it was hot take Thursday. Okay. Still. Still. Oof. Did you Oof. hear my gasp at the end there, Joe? I couldn't believe it. It hurts. But you know what? In, in all fairness, if that's how he feels, I appreciate him saying how he feels. You know, because there's, there's a lot of times, a lot of radio shows that local ones in different sports towns, Boston used to drive me crazy. If you didn't, if you didn't say the, the Bruins and the Red Sox and the Patriots were going to win every year, you just got, uh, I mean, absolutely attacked uh, from the media and the public uh, fans, of course. So I appreciate his opinion. And you know what? If I was a casual fan, Randy, and I didn't know much about hockey and I flipped on a Blues game, the other day, I'd probably say the exact same thing um, as well. So, you know, it, it is a fair statement. I did not think they looked all that good. But knowing what I know and knowing how that game and all the intangibles and the weird stuff going on up there and what these players have gone through, it was a game that they just needed to play. And it is a game they just needed to get through. And, uh, you know, it was one good look at the Blues bench with about a minute to go in the game. And 
you just saw the reactions of these players. They just wanted to get the heck out of there, and they just want to start playing some meaningful hockey. And I have a good feeling that they're going to start doing that starting Sunday. So that, that was my question. Does it start on Sunday, or does it start on the first day of the playoffs that we start to see the Blues that we saw in last year's playoffs? Well, I, I definitely don't think it starts Sunday. I don't think we're going to see the same team that we saw in the Winnipeg Jets series of last year on this Sunday. And I think that's, that's fair to say because you know, I think players are still kind of testing the waters with this thing. You obviously want to go out there. You want to start figuring out um, the identity of blue brand hockey. You, you, you know what it looks like. It's that aggressiveness. It's that the layer after layer of, of punishing your opponent in corners and having support and getting out of the defensive zone quickly. Um, you know, chip and pucks to great areas and corners where you know you'll have four checkers to go. That's all what they want. They want to see tight gaps. They want to have support to the neutral zone. They want to have that center nice, low and slow underneath that winger so he's an outlet through the neutral zone with speed so they can go to the offensive zone. That's what all those little things that they look like. And on video, on a perfect game, you see it all over the ice. That's what you'd like to see slowly. I don't think it'll all be there on Sunday because this is a timing thing. It's going to take some reps. It's going to take some games to get there. Give you a good example. You watched the game the other night, Marco Scandella, Gaps up in the neutral zone on Patrick Kane, one of the best players in the world. He gets up there too tight. He gets blown blown by wide. Patrick Kane makes an incredible play, almost scores on a rush. And then the Chicago Blackhawks spend about a minute and a half in the offensive zone, which was probably their most pressure they've had all game. So, again, a simple thing of a gap control by a great defenseman, Marco Scandella, timing just a little off. That's going to take a couple of games to get back. I think we're going to see more of it on Sunday. And I think we're going to see even more of it. I think I believe it's on Thursday. And then more after that on our last round robin game. But the goal should be to slowly start working your way up there. So I don't think we need to go from zero to 100. But we got, I think the Blues message is going to be from Craig Brew. We've got to ratchet up here a little bit. So, Joey, are you concerned at all about seeding? I'm not. I'm not concerned at all, you know, because I was, you know, I was talking to Chris Kerr about this the other day. And we were kind of looking at how this thing is going to shake up. And I think that there is something very clear in the Western Conference. And what that is, is I think the most lopsided play-in series is going to be the Edmonton-Chicago. I think the other three, it's kind of a toss-up at this point. And I think Edmonton-Chicago in some ways is a toss-up. But if I had to say, if you ask any of the experts out there, not that I'm calling myself an expert, but you would say what series is the best guarantee that one team's going to win? I think most would choose the Edmonton Chicago for many reasons. You know, it's in Edmonton. Uh, they feel comfortable there. They got two of the best players in the world. Uh, the only thing Chicago's really got that's going to save them is goaltending. And we still don't know what Cord Crawford's going to bring. So this is my point. If Edmonton is going to be kind of that sure lock, they're going to have the number five seed. Now follow me here for a second. Uh, the number five seed will automatically play the four seed, no matter what. So I think what teams are looking at is if they fall to that four seed, you're going to have a really good chance of playing the Edmonton Oilers. Now, does that bode well for the Blues? I think so. They've handled Edmonton very well this year. And then you look at the other teams they could possibly play, Nashville, for example, who have not beaten yet, Arizona Coyotes, who they really struggle with, and I, I still get nervous with the Winnipeg Jets. So if you're looking for the St. Louis Blues, would it be the end of the world to fall to the fourth seed, have a terrible round robin, and face Edmonton in the first round? I don't know if it would be so bad, guys. And I think for those reasons, that I don't think seeding is as important as Blues just trying to slowly find their game. 
we're looking forward to it. How did you like doing the uh, broadcast from Centene? How did that work out for you? You know, we were great. You know, Curbs, you know, kind of took the run with it, and I just followed the lead. And, you know, one thing with him and I, it's just we're just we're having conversations, and whenever something dysfunctioned or we missed a play because of a camera, we just, you know how it is, guys. We just fill, we fill time with silliness and talking about the bubble and talking about whatever. We kind of just kind of did our thing, and uh, it was very comfortable, very casual. Everyone at 101 did just the greatest job. I mean, I literally I walked in this place, and I promise you one thing. Curbs and I have the greatest setup. I think radio slash TV across the league. I don't know a TV crew that has what we have. And if, you, if any people out there are going through Centene in the next two weeks, hopefully longer, peek your head in there. There's four 75-inch TVs. The lighting's incredible. Uh, the sound, our marble table. I mean, everything is just done so well and so awesome. So we had a wonderful time doing it. I thought the call was great. It was clean. It was crisp. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday. I really am, man. It should be great. We'll be tuned in. Joseph, it's always great to have you with us and to beware of those sharks. <laughs> hey, you, Randy and Michelle, good, good thing, too. And another thing, keep an eye on this, uh, National Avocado Day. Happy National Avocado Ooh. Day. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Dead. Will you be preparing anything with avocados in it on this Friday? Well, listen, I'm a millennial, and I make sourdough bread, so Ooh. put two and two together. Oh. I mean, the avocado toast, nothing says millennial like avocado toast. That's what I found. So I'm going to throw some fresh avocado. I got some great ones the other day. You can always tell a good, before I go, you can always tell a good avocado by obviously feeling it, touching it. You want to have a little bit of give. But one secret to a good avocado, remove the stem, guys. Remove the stem. So they all have a stem at top. Uh-huh. If, the stem, if the stem won't remove, it's underripe, right? If it removes and it's that really pretty green color, it's perfect. And if it removes easily and it's brown, the inside's brown. So there's a little tip for you. All right. Thank you very much. We learn something from Joey Vitale every single week. You're the man. Have a good weekend. It's always a pleasure. You too. Have a great weekend. See you later. That's Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Avocado toast. It, millennials catch a lot of heat, Randy, because we love avocado toast, but it's a great snack. You can have a breakfast. It's a meal. You can have a breakfast, a snack for lunch, for dinner. You can put a lot of things on top of it. It's really a tradition to build upon. My family really likes avocado toast. I don't like avocados, so I, I'm not a fan, but... I totally get it, and it's not just a millennial thing. I think that the people who enjoy good food like avocado toast. I love it. I have avocado toast all the time. The rest of my family, my wife and kids, they have it all the time, too. It's great. So, And, and it's easy to make, and it's good for you, right? It is, allegedly. Next up, we finally get hashtag justice for Kevin. <laughs> it was 24 hours ago that he was allegedly screwed out of a chance to win the fight. and Kevin was jobbed. He was, and that was one of the hashtags, too. Kevin was jobbed. Free Kevin. Uh, hashtag justice for Kevin in the fight next on 101 ESPN. Summer's in full action, and we're thankful for our sponsor today, Manscaped, for keeping dudes out there fresh. Manscaped offers all the right tools to keep your hair groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up that full-body grooming game, and they actually just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 or Perfect Package. Now, the Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit. I know you're probably wearing flip-flops during the summer. 
Hot tip from a female. People don't want to see your nasty, unclipped toenails, okay? No one likes an ungroomed man. Women, we talk about these things. Don't be that guy. That's why Manscaped has forever changed their grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. It's the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a cleanup. And this third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce those manscaping accidents. Yikes. For a limited time, subscribers out there can get two free gifts. You can get the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMALLS, S-M-A-L-L-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code SMALLS. Summer is here. It's time to manscape. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 836, which means it's time for the fight. And if you listened to the fight yesterday, you know it was riddled with controversy. Kevin is getting his chance again at Randy. Scott, since it happened because of you, do you want to go ahead and explain to everybody why we have a return fighter today? Yeah, I guess. Whether (laughs) I agree with it or disagree with it, it's not up to me. But I will say that uh, I read a question to Kevin that I wrote verbatim. And then when I read it to Randy, I may have fixed a couple of words to make it a little bit more, uh, I don't know, uh, easier for him to understand. Concise. Yeah. And uh, Randy got the question right. Kevin got it wrong. And uh, Kevin, you're back here today. How you doing? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me back. You got it, Kevin. And were you angry when you hung up with us yesterday? Were you thinking, hey, wait a minute. Scott manipulated the words for Randy. And had I known the distinction here, I would have gotten that question right. So I have I have people around me saying I should be upset, but um, I'm not. I, I think I think he I think he beat me yesterday, fair and square, and uh, you know I'm just happy to talk sports again with you guys today. So, oh, what a nice answer, well, Kevin. I, quickly for you, Kevin, I will say, and I want to tell the audience, when I called you back, you did know the answer to the question before oh. I could even tell you that you know what I messed up. So I will give you credit that you did know the answer. But I also want to give you credit because you were incredibly nice and were not rude or mean or anything towards me throughout this entire process. You're the man. <laughs> it's sports. You got to have fun with it. That's right. Sportsmanship is key. One more thing, Kevin, before we dive into the fight. Were you surprised that so many of our great listeners were writing so hard for you? I mean, we had hundreds of texts to the text line. Free Kevin. Justice for Kevin. Kevin was jobbed. Give him another chance. So it had to make you feel good that so many people had your back. It did. It was uh, it was nice to see uh, uh, St. Louis back something that uh, means a lot. Yeah, that's right. And Kevin, we're all rooting for you today, so no pressure, all right? All right, thank you. Question number one. We've talked a lot about the Cardinals' number one prospect, Dylan Carlson. If we go back to 2011, who was their number one prospect then, according to MLB.com? Was it Shelby Miller, Carlos Martinez, or Oscar Tavares? 2011. What'd you say, Kevin? Oscar. Okay. All right, question number two for you, Kevin. What baseball team was Patrick Mahomes drafted by out of high school? Was it the Royals, the Tigers, or the Orioles? I want to say it's the Orioles. 
All right, Kevin, the NBA returned last night. The Lakers are the favorite to win this year's NBA championship. What year did they win their last title? 2008, 2009, or 2010? Uh, 2009. All right, and your final question, Kevin. I will read it exactly how <laughs> I wrote it just to make sure, even if I have grammatical errors. Yesterday it was announced the SEC will play a conference-only football schedule. The last time Mizzou made the SEC championship game, who was their QB? Was it Drew Locke, Matty Mock, or Blaine Gabbert? I'm going to go with uh, Blaine Gabbert. All right. We're checking score here. Randy is on his way in. Kevin, second crack at this. Do you feel more confident today than you did yesterday? Uh, about the same. Okay, great. Randy's getting settled in here. Randy, say hello again to Kevin. Kevin, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me, Randy. Good to have. Uh, good to be back. And glad to get justice for Kevin. It's important. Hashtag <laughs> justice for Kevin. We're all about integrity and fairness here, right? We are, yeah. All right, Randy. Question number one. We've talked a lot, and I mean a lot, about the Cardinals' number one prospect, Dylan Carlson. Mm-hmm. If we go back to 2011, who was their number one prospect, according to MLB.com? 2011. Correct. Cardinals' number one prospect at MLB.com. I have to go with... Was he... Um... I'll say Colby Rasmus. All right. Question number two for you, Randy. What baseball team was Patrick Mahomes drafted by out of high school? Hmm. Um. Let's see. He grew up. He was around the Rangers a lot. Uh, what? I'll, I'll go with the old lifeline here. Was it the Royals, the Tigers, or the Orioles? I'll go with Baltimore. Randy, the NBA returned last night. The Lakers are the favorite to win the NBA championship. What year did they did they win their last title? They won in 2010. I think they won in 29, 2009 and 2010. Last question for you, Randy. I'm going to make sure this time, like I did with Kevin, I'm going to read it verbatim from the paper. Okay. We don't want any discrepancies. Yesterday it was announced the SEC will play a conference-only football schedule. Yes. The last time Mizzou made the SEC championship game, who was their quarterback? So this was 2014. Was it uh, James Franklin? I, I watched that game. in. I was in Arizona, and I, let's see, watched it with DeMarco. And was it... Franklin, I think it was pre-Matty Mock, and it was post-Gabbert, obviously. I'm going to go James Franklin. We've got a winner. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. All right, there was a lot of buildup for this fight. A lot of people have an emotional investment in this, and this might be our worst fight of all time. Randy mm. Carricker wins one to nothing. Mm. <laughs> Let's run through the answers here. Back in 2011, the Cardinals' number one prospect, according to MLB.com, was Shelby Miller. Mm-hmm. 
Patrick Mahomes was drafted by the Tigers out of high school. The baseball team that he was drafted by was the Tigers. The Lakers last won an NBA title in 2010, and the last time Mizzou made the SEC championship game, their quarterback was Matty Mock. Kevin, Mm. thanks so much for playing. Thanks for having us, guys. All right. Thank you, Kevin. All right, Randy. And we do have a little bit of breaking news here. Yes, the Cardinals game tonight against the Brewers has been postponed due to a positive COVID-19 test. John Heyman with the tweet. Uh, Of course, he's from MLB.com. And at this point, we don't know which team or which players or which people involved with the teams or players tested positive. But Heyman tweeting that the Cardinals-Brewers game Today, actually, a 110 game has been postponed due to a positive test. Well, this is concerning for a lot of different reasons, but you have to wonder if there's one positive test, are we going to see other positive tests pop up? It's just another game that baseball's had to postpone, and you certainly hope that it's no one within the Cardinals organization because this could be very detrimental to them from a team perspective. Both teams have been on the road. The Cardinals, obviously, with their trip to Minnesota. And this is Milwaukee's home opener today. So both teams have been on the road. We don't know how quarantined they have been. But it's an issue, obviously, that has affected baseball throughout the course of this first full week of the season. The the opener was just one week ago today. And I would imagine as our show goes on, we're going to get more information about this. But, you know, just hearing that it's postponed due to a positive test, not great news. Not at all. That is Michelle. I'm Randy. And next up, we're going to head to Bristol and hear the final segment for Golik and Wingo here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. You're just tuning in. John Heyman tweeting that the Cardinals Brewers game has been postponed for this afternoon because of positive tests. Multiple by the Cardinals. We'll learn more as we go along. Mark Saxingen is going to join us in the bottom of the next hour. This is also the final day for Golick and Wingo on ESPN Radio. Mike Golick has been a part of our station since our inception, January 1st of 2009. So we wanted to eavesdrop on the final segment of Golick and Wingo from ESPN Radio. We've been fortunate to have a lot involved in here. Oh, yeah, Shelby Lacey. Shelby Lacey. Yes, I can say she helped my mom with the famed Brady Bunch video project there, including, you know, uh, Justin, Pete G, everyone around there, Louise, who you mentioned and all yeah, that. We've yeah. got so many people around the department. Ray Netchi, who helped out at the beginning over with us, too, at Golik and Wingo. Yeah, that was, he was one of the producers as well, as I mentioned. So there's been a, obviously a lot of people involved. It's never just the people you see on air. And that, that's true, in, I think, in any, anywhere, any business. It's the people behind the glass. That uh, and God, God knows all the researchers that helped me yeah. sound way smarter than I really am. Um, so it, it's been a labor of love, certainly over all these years. And uh, I, I really have been humbled over the amount of uh, of responses on on social media. Again, this is something that wasn't around when yeah. I first started. There was no, there was the old fax machine with everybody out there going, "What the hell?" You know, and the old fax would fall behind the fax machine because of that rolled up fax paper. There was never any of, the, of that, and what came with social media was kind of instant gratification or instant, we hate you, you know, whatever you wanted, it was instant. Uh, so it's been really incredible hearing what people are, are saying and writing about growing up with the show. It's, a, it's been a cool thing, and, and I think that's kind of what I wanted to portray over the years was just I wanted to be that guy sitting at the bar where everybody just kind of hung out, you know? 
just kind of talk sports together. And I just happen to hang out at the bar with my family. Uh, most at the bar a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot yeah, of you time, have a problem. A lot, a lot of times my kids were at the bar underage, which Sydney yeah. knows well about going into college days. Uh, Alleg- allegedly. Allegedly. But uh, that was important uh, to me to, to have my family be part of it because it's the most important thing to me. Uh, so to be part of that show, of, of this show, and to have so many people be part of that and want to be part of that and share everything that they have. It's been very cool. Yeah, and I think that's been the interesting part watching for all of us is I know my mom's been a wreck throughout all of this, seeing the nice notes that everyone has sent and all that, and it's appreciated, but we joked and said it felt like a funeral and all this, and I realized, like, for us it's a little different and it's a little happier because even after we turn off the mics, you still get to be our dad. And I think that's the, that's the part that through all of it, oof, I am my mom's son. That's the part that through all of it, and when we grew up, you know, it was, it was such a big thing, and Mike and Mike became this big phenomenon, and there was so much that came along with that, and it, you always made sure that it was about us, and you always made sure that you were around for the stuff that we did, and... We felt that, and we saw it, and it meant so, so much to grow up feeling like that you could do anything because you two made that possible because we got to watch the way that you guys woke up every day and loved each other and loved us and supported all of our dreams through that. It's the reason Jake is a, is a great husband right now. It's a reason Sydney's going to be a great wife, and they're going to be great parents. And you're going to be a great husband, too. <laughs> <laughs> and come hell or high water with my mom, that is going to be the case, too. But you always put that at the forefront. You stopped calling college football games when we got to high school because you wanted to be around and support us. And then to get to do this with you for the last three years, is it'll be the highlight of my professional life, my personal life. I love you so much to get to do the thing I always wanted to do with the person I always wanted to be is such an insanely surreal thing. I, I will never forget it. Well, so thanks, I appreciate Dad. that. Well, thank you. Thank all of you. Um, <laughs> <sighs> Nobody going to jump in here and help, huh? The interesting thing about this show has been we, we moved here from, from Arizona because it was our baby. Yeah. We never aspired to do anything more than the radio show. It was the pinnacle for us. It's meant everything to us. It's been a part of our family, and that's why this means so much to us. <clears throat> this is why we did it, and this is why I did it for right here and what Mike just said. Um, all the guests and all the people we mentioned, everybody was so important, but there's nobody as important than who is sitting right here on the set with you right now. Thank you all. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. So you heard the last segment of Golik and Wingo, minus Wingo, interestingly, on ESPN Radio. And you will hear the new show. We'll have fill-ins from ESPN Radio for the next couple of weeks. And then the new show starts, I believe, August 11th. Is that right, Michelle? I'll have to check. Yes. We're pretty close. So, but it's going to be It's going to be uh, Keyshawn and Jay Will and... Uh, Zubin. Zubin. So it'll be great. Looking forward to that. Meanwhile, the story of the day here is that the Cardinals opener or the Cardinals 
game against Milwaukee, the Brewers' home opener, has been postponed due to positive tests among the Cardinals. Derek Gould just tweeting that the Cardinals are remaining in their hotel rooms. They have no plans of going to the ballpark today. They have been instructed into self-isolation, according to Derek's source. And John Heyman had the news initially, but it is Cardinals testing positive that has caused the postponement of this game in Milwaukee. And uh, obviously... This is really bad news from a baseball perspective and a human interest perspective. The fact that multiple players have tested positive, multiple people with the team have tested positive, not necessarily players, right. is a pal over this weekend for us. Absolutely. To think, Randy, just a couple minutes ago, we were talking about what we needed to see out of this Cardinals team to make this weekend a success. It really just shows you how quickly everything can change. When we talked about this affecting the Marlins and the Phillies, the first thing we said was we certainly hope it doesn't affect the Cardinals. And here we are having this conversation. But unfortunately, I think it's going to happen throughout baseball because this this scenario in which teams are traveling doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't seem to be working outside of a bubble environment. But to see the notes coming out, Randy, Tests, plural, can't be great. No, and we'll find out perhaps who tested positive, but if the Cardinals are able to play again, we'll know in the next few days aren't available when players aren't at the ballpark with them. And as you mentioned during a break, if players were out in St. Louis, we're going to find out who was out and about. Well, this test would have sent from, what, Minnesota, I would imagine, because there's... You get tested and then you're not finding out that day. There is a waiting period. So if we're finding out on a Friday morning, I would imagine the test would come from Wednesday. Yep. And so that was when they were in Minnesota. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. And then, but again, if it's if it's any players that are out, people, we're going to find out. But I certainly hope that's not the case. I, I hope it's just bad luck and it, it's something that unfortunately they're dealing with. I first and foremost hope that everyone's safe and healthy because as we saw with Freddie Freeman, this virus can really impact these players, even though they're professional athletes from a health standpoint. That's the first thing I'm thinking is that I hope that people are asymptomatic or from a physical standpoint, they're not dealing with any really, really severe symptoms. And with the virus taking four to 10 days generally to manifest itself for a Wednesday test, you work back. It almost had to be contracted here in St. Louis, right? You see, I I don't know. I don't know how it works. I know that there's an incubation period, but I don't I don't even know how quickly it can manifest itself. You're right. That might be the case if it was here in St. Louis. We also don't know if it's a player or if it's someone Mm -hmm. within the organization who might not necessarily have been around players. We're going to find out all of that information probably soon, because with with any of these stories, the information seems to trickle out. And as you mentioned, we're going to find out when the Cardinals resume play. If there's players that aren't there, we're going to be able to do the math. But when you say positive tests, plural, it could be two people. People, it could be 11 people. And that's what's scary about this is as we saw with the Marlins, those numbers started to pile up very quickly. And for a Cardinals team that already has a lot of question marks, if you're removing a handful of guys from the equation, what does the season look like? Right. Well, and also remember from yesterday, if they got it in Minnesota or they were positive then, all right, so then the Twins, we have to monitor them. They Mm -hmm. played against the Indians last night. So now it could have gone from the Cardinals to the Twins to the Indians. And so, I mean, we're going to have to watch those two games tonight, too. And as Jeff Passon noted, all of the positive tests so far had taken place in the East, and now you've got the Central Division too. And I guess you, if, if it's the Cardinals, and there is that period of four to ten days where the 
virus steps to the fore, then you have to look at the Pirates, too. Because on Sunday, if the tests were on Wednesday, Sunday the Cardinals played the Pirates, then you you would have to at least make sure that your tests of the Pirates are uh, valid as well. And, hey, these tests need to come back quicker. I think that's one of the issues. Granted, it has been 48 hours, but baseball, having set up two testing facilities, one in Utah, one at Rutgers University, they need to do a more efficient job of getting these tests back. So then what do you do if you're Major League Baseball? It's easy to postpone, to say you're postponing one game and you're awaiting results on other people. But as Scott was mentioning, you have to focus on the Twins, now the Indians. Do you postpone those games while you wait for those results to come back? You already have the Marlins in this situation. You have the Phillies and the Yankees, which have been impacted by this. It's just becoming a really convoluted mess. It really is. And... You have to believe that because of the positive tests and that you'll have to test all the other Cardinals, they were on a plane together on Wednesday night. It's hard for me to imagine that baseball could responsibly play the games this weekend because now you have to get all the Cardinals tested again because of the fact that if the test was taken in Minnesota on Wednesday and they were all on a plane together on Wednesday night after the game, Everybody was together. And then you have 48 hours before you get all those test results back. Can you imagine a scenario, Michelle, in which they would play a game in Milwaukee this weekend? No, I can't. I, I really can't. To your point about being on a plane, if you know that's a confined space with limited airflow. So that's, that's not good. This is really bad news, not only for the Cardinals, but for Major League Baseball. And there have been so many questions going all the way back to Buster Olney saying that he thought there was a 5% chance of finishing the season. And you did get off to a reasonable start, but man, things have really gone awry in a hurry. When you look at the American League and the fact that the Blue Jays, uh, well, for, let's start with the National League. The, the Nationals affected by what has happened to Miami, and they won't play this weekend. They played yesterday, but they won't play this weekend. The Marlins are missing. They've only played three games to this point. The, they haven't played a game since Sunday. Then you look at what's happened to the Orioles and how it's affected the Phillies. There are so many teams affected by a domino, and the the same thing will happen now in the Central Division. It is hard to imagine that baseball will be able to play a 60-game season. But at what point do they call it? Because... When this happened with the Marlins and the Phillies and the Phillies-Yankees game was postponed, it seemed that the pervasive theme was, we're going to power through this thing. Yep. We're going to figure out a way to get all these games done. But when you now have those teams that are being affected by it, you're trying to figure out that schedule. Now the Cardinals and the Brewers are being postponed. You're going to have to worry about uh, making those games up. You have to worry about the Indian. There's just so many other factors that are involved. If you're Rob Manfred and you're Major League Baseball, what is the tipping point for you? Not only that, but I, I think we can fairly say, and I know it sounds harsh, but when it is the Marlins from a baseball perspective, not from a human perspective, but when you just look at it from a baseball perspective, you say, yeah, it's it's the Marlins. They they weren't going to win anything. But now that you've had so many other teams affected and the Phillies, they expect to be good. You've had the Cardinals now. They expect to be good and lost games by other good teams. I would think that baseball has to look at it First, from a human perspective, we don't want to get this thing out of hand from a physical standpoint, too many people catching it. But the other part of it is the baseball part of it. And do we want our do, do we want our competition to be compromised? And I I think that there's a very good chance that if they play and if they go on, then the best team might not win. 
I think that's a very logical conclusion. I think Buster only was right. 5% chance. I don't see a way in which we're... How many days are we into the season? A week? Yeah, one week. One week into the season. Yeah, it was a home opener. We're one week into the season, and you've seen all of these teams be impacted by this. I don't know if the let's power through mentality is going to be able to succeed. I I don't see a scenario in which it does, because you have to believe if it is multiple tests for the Cardinals— Certainly, the Brewers, at the very least, are affected this weekend, but the Twins may have been affected. They've got to get tested now. I I couldn't agree with you more. And we're getting more and more uh, tweets as we go along here. And the fact that the Cardinals are staying in their hotel rooms is a positive. But I wonder now, with what you know, how how do you get the team home? Or do you, like Miami did, do you quarantine in your hotel in Milwaukee over the course of the weekend until you get multiple negative tests for everybody? I think that's what you're going to have to do because if you're testing people now, you're testing everybody, I would imagine. If there's multiple positive tests, and again, we don't know if it's players or someone within the organization, but either way, I would imagine you're starting fresh and you're testing everybody just to make sure that no more positives have popped up. You're not getting the results today. So how could you logically put these guys on a plane or a bus to get them home if you don't know if more of them are testing positive? Here's another aspect to this, and this kind of gives you an idea of where baseball is right now. John Heyman had the tweet 27 minutes ago that the Brewers-Cardinals game, a day game, has been postponed. Brett Anderson, who was supposed to start for the Brewers today, responds to the John Heyman tweet, says, good to know. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah, he was supposed to start for them in uh, 10, 11, 12, four hours. And Good to know. Yeah. So that's how they're getting the news. <laughs> right. So, Randy, I'm was fo- i I'm following a lot of the players on Instagram, on social media, because I wanted to see the Blues, too, because this is an unprecedented thing. I want to see what they're up to when they're when they're out and about doing these things. Now, the Blues, they're they're in the they're in the hub cities they are in the bubble. Right. They're playing ping pong at the hotel. Their stuff is pretty standard because they're not leaving with the Cardinals. Yesterday, a bunch of them were posting on their social media. They were out at Whistling Straits. They're playing golf. Some of them were posting things from the hotel. And I know that they're allowed to go out and do stuff like that. You're allowed to socially distance and play golf. It's certainly not something that is being prohibited, but I would imagine if you're, and we know that these positive tests preceded that. I want to make that clear, but my whole point is that stuff like that could be happening when they were here in St. Louis, stuff like they could be going out and doing stuff like that when they're in Milwaukee, things that they think are safe and that generally we think are safe, but how many people are you coming into contact with when you go out to do that? And there's no ill intent. You're just going out to play golf and free your mind with some of your teammates and have it, have some time off. But you're you you are putting yourself at risk when you leave the hotel. It's just the the fact of the matter, and that's why the the bubble seems to be the only option. Yeah. It and, really does. And I and pushing this forward. I, if you're the NFL, and again you're seeing other teams be affected by this, I don't know how you can say we are going to play outside a bubble. There was a doctor earlier this week that said there was no way that the non-bubble sports could finish their seasons. And you look now, MLB postponements in the first week 
You have something? Well, uh, Ken Rosenthal, by the way, just tweeted, as John Heyman reported, the Brewers and Cardinals postponed because an unknown number of Cardinals players tested positive okay. for COVID. So, so it, it is, is players. players. So the Phillies have lost seven games through this weekend. The Marlins have lost seven. Yankees and Orioles have lost two each. The Blue Jays have lost three. The Nationals have lost three. And the Cardinals and Brewers at least one each. And you're trying to play 60 games within a 66-day window. And... Now, the Cardinals are in a situation where they lose a day off. And obviously, if you're the Phillies and Marlins and you've already lost seven games and you're trying to play 60 within a 66-day game span, unless you're going to go to those seven-inning doubleheaders that they agreed on yesterday and have a lot of doubleheaders, you're going to have a great deal of difficulty getting these games in. So I'm with you. And we did have Buster Olney from Rivs and BK the other day here on 101 ESPN talking about finishing this season. ESPN's Buster Olney. I hear at the team level uh, that they feel like the idea of testing other every other day leaves too too many big holes. They feel like that that needs to go from every other day to every day, and there does need to be uh, an overriding administration uh, of what happens when these positive tests happens where. Somebody who's not in a team group is telling them this is what's going to happen. You know, give us the information. This is exactly what's going to happen, and not uh, leave it uh, for confusion within the team group. Seems like they have to go there, regardless of what the expense is and what what it, the difficulty is in terms of getting lab techs. That's one of the issues that you're going to have because testing is going on all over the country. You're going to have to get people that are willing to go to work for you to do these tests on an everyday basis. If you can even find them, it's probably the only realistic way to get through this. And I don't know how you make that audible and have it come together so quickly. And this is something we talked about at, at length in the weeks leading up to the season is about the turnaround with tests and how quickly this could spread if you're getting delayed testing and you're going out and playing games. And this is exactly what we're seeing come to fruition. Exactly. The Brewers home opener this afternoon against the Cardinals postponed. And the latest we have is Ken Rosenthal tweeting that the Cardinals have had multiple positive tests among players for COVID-19. More on this coming up on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We want your input. You can send us a Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. You can feel free to text us on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle and Randy with you. The Cardinals and the Brewers postponed today because of multiple positive COVID-19 tests among Cardinal players. That's the word we're getting from multiple national reporters. John Heyman, Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Passon points out that this is the first positive tests that have come that were not in the Eastern time zone. A couple of texts, Michelle, from the 314. The players have to own this. They refused the bubble de- idea outright. I don't think now, knowing what we know about Florida and Arizona, that a bubble idea would have worked in baseball. Well, if they had you know, a fence around it and no one's really coming into contact with them, if people are living inside the bubble, it probably would have worked. Look what's happening in Orlando yeah. with the NBA. Zero positive tests. You but, can you can confine people to one space. But you have two courts in in baseball. You'd have to have had a dozen different fields at a do- dozen 
different ballparks, right? Yeah. The logistics are much more difficult yeah, I, to execute. I, I think it would have been really hard for that to pull off. And uh, this one from the 314, Smalls, you need to stop. You're making too much sense. <laughs> MLB might call you to help them with all the sense you're making. Such a joke. Yeah, honestly, I don't want to assign blame to one party or the other. I think the collective has to take a hard look in the mirror and say that they all have a part of the responsibility and what we're seeing happen throughout baseball right now. I don't know how a collective group of people talks about strictly money for weeks and weeks and weeks and don't really put the effort in needed to make sure that the logistics of this are ironed out to keep everyone safe. And and that's first and foremost, but then also to talk about the scheduling and how this is going to derail the season and how you're going to make up these games and in a 60-game window. How are you going to do this? You can vote in as many doubleheaders as you want. If you're seeing all of these teams, six teams now that are impacted today because of positive tests, that's only going to continue to spiral. Right. And with that, we get this text from the 636. Baseball should have shut down till 2021. It's BS that fans wouldn't have waited. Well, again, they're thinking about $800 million in postseason yeah. revenue. The players are thinking about a billion and a half dollars in income. And we always followed the money. You right. still have to follow the money. You still do. I don't think it has anything to do with the fans, really. But... I still don't understand how they didn't anticipate this, at least to a large degree, because if you're testing someone on a Wednesday and then they're playing games and you're not getting the results until Friday morning, you put yourself at major risk of having this this virus spread like wildfire. Yeah. That is it's illogical to think that it's a smart idea to test someone and not get results for potentially 48 hours. Expo- potentially exposing all these other players and people that are, are traveling with the team. Which is exactly what happened with Miami. Uh, somebody from the 314 text in human perspective, that's not how you sounded the other day when it was just the Marlins. I don't think anybody suggested that the Marlins should play. We were talking from a baseball perspective about how it doesn't matter if it's a double-A player playing for the Marlins or somebody at the major league level, we weren't saying that the major leaguers should just play or be exposed from Miami. What we were saying was, from a baseball perspective, that most people can't name more than a couple of members of the Marlins. And whether it was a guy from double-A that was named Joe Smith or a guy that was in the majors named Bob Jones, right. it wasn't really going to matter. And then if you're a major league baseball, you can rationalize and or justify the Marlins situation because it's not going to really impact what you thought the season was going to look like anyway. And not only is it our hometown team that's being affected, so of course we have more stock in what's going on, but now this is 30 games that have been impacted because of yeah. positive tests. This isn't the Marlins and then the Cardinals, and we're having this this knee-jerk reaction. This is all of these other teams, the Phillies, the Yankees, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Nationals, the Cardinals, the Brewers. All of these teams have had to deal with postponement of games because of positive tests. And losses of a lot of players, and this isn't obviously the first for the Cardinals because they had Cabrera and they have they have Reyes still pitching in Springfield trying to get ready down at that camp down there from the 314 don't they have extra players for this exact situation yes they do the problem is i'm guessing right now michelle they don't know how many players are affected obviously positive tests that were taken on Wednesday, but now you want to retest because of the fact, as we talked about, they were in a plane on Wednesday night together. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the Cardinals and baseball have no idea how many positives the Cardinals have at the moment. Yeah. 
Um, I have a, te- a tweet here from Randy. Sorry, I was reading this from Mark Saxon, who's going to join us hopefully next. He says, per the source, the Cardinals for now have been told that if the rest of the team tests negative, and Mark says he haven't, he hasn't yet been told how many positive th- that the team does have, the series with the Brewers will start on Saturday. Wow. That's surprising to me. So that might lead you to believe that the number is small. Tests, plural, could be two. Yes, it could. And the other thing is, is obviously they have access in Milwaukee to Insta tests. And the way that the system is set up is that each team has access to Major League Baseball's testing protocols, which as we've mentioned, include a lab in Utah and a lab at Rutgers. But every team also has a local facility set up for instant tests for the Cardinals. It's here at Mercy Hospital, uh, right down the street from us. And every team can go to a hospital and get instant tests. And I'm not sure if the Cardinals have access. I would think they almost have to if they're going to make these tests work this quickly. But the the Cardinals would have to have access to the testing facility that the Brewers have in Milwaukee. I, I would think we might see widespread changes in the way that this happens, because if all of these teams are dealing with this, you have to start making some changes. There's just it's not what is happening right now isn't working, period. Right. It's not working. And a couple of more. Number one with from the 618 with the Cardinals. It doesn't matter. Anyone can score no runs. Hey. Right. But what if it's Jack Flaherty? We don't want it to be Jack Flaherty. That's what I'm saying. We don't know which players have tested positive. And and frankly, I don't want anybody to test positive for this. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. But that being said, this is a texture. This isn't Randy from the 636. Maybe it's just Bader and Carpenter and Fowler. Text Te- from the 636, Texter. Michelle. Not funny. I mean, this is a serious virus, Randy. It kills people. Okay, I'm not it gonna does. I'm not gonna Take it lightly. A little funny. But I do hope everyone's asymptomatic. And even the positive tests, hopefully they can just get back-to-back negative tests here and then in the coming days, and we'll be back to business. I really hope that that's what happens, not only from a Cardinals perspective, but I don't want to see baseball shut down. I love that we have Cardinal baseball and baseball in general Mm -hmm. to watch. I love that sports has finally entered back into our world, and I don't want to see this derailed. But... (sighs) I just, I don't foresee a path in which this doesn't become worse than it is right now. I I, really don't. I agree. And this from the 314, and I look at what the players have done on the field, and I think they've been mostly responsible. Uh, This from the 314, maybe now they're going to start paying attention to the rules about high-fiving, hugging, dogpiling, and everything else they've been ignoring to this point. And not everything has been completely social distanced, but Mike Yastrzemski, the Giants hit a game-winning home run last night, uh, two nights ago, in the bottom of the ninth, and they just stood around him six feet away from him at home plate. That was their celebration. Yeah. And yes, there has been some high fives and low fives, and there have been players within four feet of each other, but I don't think that that's necessarily the reason that we're having these tests come back positive because everybody had tested negative before that but if you're a player you enter that game with what we're finding out to be a false sense of security thinking okay everybody here tested negative so i should be okay to low five one of my teammates if that's the worst thing that's happening hey i i may have touched him but he tested negative but what we're finding out is in the time period from which he was tested until the time you're playing the game you haven't gotten the results back so that dude that you're low fiving could have tested positive and he may be asymptomatic and you may be exposing yourself and if i'm a player i'm certainly asking a lot of tough questions about 
about the environment that I'm putting myself in to go out and play these games. Right. The players have to be concerned about themselves. Yeah, and their families. Right. And so I, I think at the end of the day, that would probably be the primary reason that we don't continue a season is because there has to be concern about players not knowing whether or not they're positive at the moment. To me, that's the biggest issue is the the ability to get tests back quickly and not quicker than 48 hours is for these problems so far. Randy, as you can imagine, ESPN is breaking in and having a lot of people comment on what's happening now in Major League Baseball. Here's Jessica Mendoza, who was just on ESPN, talking about why this game was postponed. Now you start to look at where the Cardinals just were because the incubation period, to me, is what's real. I mean, this is the part we saw with the Phillies, the biggest question marks. Because of the lack of contact tracing, St. Louis Cardinals were just in Minnesota. So now you start to look at the Twins, and they're going to start to get tested. If there's any positive results that come out in the next few days from them, but again, it's waiting and not knowing. The Twins are going to be playing today. It, this is where it gets scary because you don't know how, you don't know when, and because of that, you don't know where it's spread to other teams. And that, to me, as we start to see from the Marlins to the Phillies and now as we look to the Cardinals and who they've played and positive tests start to come in possibly, then we start to really think about should, should these teams even be playing? Well, not today. And... As was noted this morning uh, by Tom Hodricourt, who covers the Brewers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, this has been noted many times, bears repeating. MLB knew travel would present the biggest challenge in avoiding COVID outbreaks, and that primary fear is coming true. Travel is the issue. It's, it's been teams that have been on the road that have had the biggest issues here. Yep. Unfortunately. Coming up, we're going to talk to Mark Saxon of The Athletic, our Cardinal Insider, about this situation. Cards and Brewers postponed today because of multiple Cardinal tests for COVID-19. Mark is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We know Mark Saxon is a busy man this morning, and we appreciate him joining us for this segment with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Mark, thanks very much for joining us. What's the latest that you have on this Cardinal game being postponed this afternoon? Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, so, um, you know, as the team hunkers down in its hotel room, which is what it should be doing to find sort of the next step, I was told just now that... You know, the team is under the impression that if the rest of the players, and I don't know how many positives they've had to this extent, you know, could be one, could be multiple, but they've been told that if the rest of the team tests negative, they could be playing tomorrow. And I was a little surprised to hear that, but it came from a very good source. And I think that's the impression they're under. Now, obviously, all of this is um, incredibly changeable. It's incredibly dynamic. So they could get word five minutes from now, or maybe they've gotten word since I last talked to that person that that's not the case. But um, the fact that they are under that impression, I don't know whether that means that they feel like they have isolated this incident because it certainly sounds different than what, you know, what we learned from that Marlins uh, situation in Philadelphia. Mark, do you have any information on how the testing is going to go down? Because if they're playing in Milwaukee or excuse in, in Minnesota and then they're getting tested and then there's a, a day wait and then they're getting re- the results on Friday, I don't know how with that type of a turnaround you could test everyone today and then say, okay, we feel confident that they're going to play tomorrow unless they increase the pace in which they're getting those tests. 
Yeah, and they may do the 24-hour test or the, or the, short, or the shorter uh, you know, response time test. I think that's what they do when there has been a positive. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, th- I think any scientist or epidemiologist or, or doctor would say, you know, this may- maybe isn't all that full, you know, foolproof because, look, they were just in Minnesota, as you referenced, Michelle, Meanwhile, Minnesota played the Cleveland Indians last night while the Cardinals were off. So when you talk about contact tracing, that's a pretty tough thing to do, given all the tentacles this thing already has had. And really the big picture way to look at this, one of the smart things baseball did when they came up with this plan was to put teams in pods, right? East, central, west, you don't go outside your pod. Well, now two of the pods have been infiltrated. And the East is a mess. The schedule is a mess already over there. It's a mess. It could become a mess in the Central. Again, depending what happens in the next couple of days. But bottom line is, you know, are we reaching the tipping point where Rob Manfred would step in and, ju- and just pause or stop this thing? And Mark. Craig Mish just tweeted, multiple sources have indicated to him that there are two players, two on the Cardinals that have tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, with your information that if everybody else tests negative and if they do only have two testing positive, uh, hopefully they can nip this as much as they can and get back to action. Because right now, when you have 20% of your teams not playing because of COVID-19, it's going to be very difficult for baseball to complete 60 games. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, I don't know that they're 100% committed to every team playing 60 games, Randy, but if you have some teams that are playing 45 and some that are playing 60, it gets a little, you know, sketchy. Um, I think, you know, in, in reference to if it is just two players, um, and I have not confirmed that, but if it is, you know, that could be, you know, part of it. But the key here then becomes the context tracing, right? Really having a good sense of, what those players were doing, maybe trying to get some sense of where they could have contracted it. You know, who did they contact, you know, not only on the Cardinals, whether it's a trainer, whether it's a, a teammate, but the twins, right? Cause we've talked about, they've already played a game with the Indians. So it becomes a very complicated thing to trace out. But I think if, if they're going to try to go through with this plan, it sounds like baseball is just going to have them put, put these two guys on the IL, the COVID list, and maybe go forward. We'll see. Um, but as of now, that's the information I've gotten. Mark, you, you referenced the contact tracing, and there's other teams that could be involved with you know these Cardinals' positive tests. We know about the other teams that have already postponed play because of positive tests. What do you think the tipping point will be for Major League Baseball? Because it seems like as of now, the pervasive theme is we're going to power through this. But when you have several teams dealing with this and you realize that the travel is going to be something that's going to probably cause these problems moving forward, I don't know at what point you just kind of wave the, wave the white flag and say, hey, we didn't do this correctly. Yeah, Michelle, I think you're kind of exactly in the right place with all of this. You know, the question might become, does does someone else need to step in? If baseball truly is, you know, going to continue to do these things that maybe some scientists, um, doctors would not recommend, you know, would a, would a mayor, a governor, even at the federal level step in? We'll find out. But um yeah, it's a very difficult thing to track down, and it's a very difficult thing to play sports during a pandemic, especially when you're not confining everyone to the uh, the same place in that bubble plan. So 
Um, we really don't have all those answers yet. I mean, I, I think to, the short answer, Michelle, is it seems to be a moving target when that, when that white flag date is. Because I remember John Mosellock less than a month ago on a Zoom call saying, what if one team has an outbreak? That could end the season. And then within days of that, the Marlins had one and didn't end the season. So we'll see how much tolerance they have um, for the risk. And that tolerance is probably going to be weighed against the $800 million in postseason money that's due the owners, right? Yeah. Yeah. That may have something to do with it, Randy. Um, on the other hand, you, you, you cannot put lives at risk over something like that. And again, if, if the owners, if Rob Manfred, who I think at this point we can all agree is certainly basically an employee of the owners, if he's not going to do it, the question will become, you know, is there an adult in the room who will yeah. step in? Um, but, yeah, the, if they're doing it for the, that $800 million, I think that's a little bit frightening. Mark Saxon with us for a couple more minutes. And I do want to talk about one baseball thing. And then Michelle has one thing for you. You retweeted Joe Davis, who had a great point about the offense in Major League Baseball to this point in the season relative to where the Cardinals are. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think he said the league is hitting 229 or something to this point. Lowest, you know, first week batting average since 1968. Um, you know, everybody knows about that year here, the 112 ERA for Gibson and then uh, lowering the mound. So that tells you that the pitcher or the hitters around baseball are well behind the pitchers. And that's not surprising because they didn't have a lot of time to kind of get a lot of good live at bats. Um, but the Cardinals, I think, still do have to prove that they can hit a little bit better than last year because a lot of people are tying it into last year where they finished bottom third and then looked even worse in the postseason. So I think, I think that is, is still a legitimate worry around this team. Mark, we spent a lot of time before we got this breaking news about the Cardinals having players test positive for COVID, talking about your outstanding piece at The Athletic about Dylan Carlson and if the Cardinals should, as you said, reach for that lover and promote him to the club. Now getting this news, depending on the players, etc., that could change or color their decision on whether or not they're going to bring Carlson up to the club. But prior to that, or I guess you can even include with these tests, but do you think that we will see Dylan Carlson with this club? I do. I still think he will come up at some point this year. There's, there's one more little, you know, these annoying service time thresholds. There's one more. If they wait uh, till right around August 15th or 16th, they could bring him up and still have three full years beyond this year before he would reach arbitration, potentially saving millions of dollars. So I think that's part of the thinking. So if you're sort of looking for that next hope of when Dylan might, might come up, it might be right around mid-August. But I just think that, <clears throat> particularly if we don't see better you know, at-bats from some of these outfielders, I do think that they're going to want to get a sense of how good he is, how he handles this level, so they can plan for next year. It's crucial. They have to know who their guys are next year. You can't just go into a, a third straight season of not knowing if you'll have offense from your outfielders because that's where teams often get the majority of their pop and a lot of their offense. So. It's kind of a strange situation right now. I just think they have to know how good he can be. Mark Saxon will be following you all day on Twitter at Mark A. Saxon. Thanks very much for the info. We do appreciate it. Have a great weekend and be safe. 
Okay, I appreciate you guys, and talk soon. All right, thank you, sir. That is our friend Mark Saxon from The Athletic on 101 ESPN Cards and Brewers. Again, postponed today. Two Cardinal players, according to Craig Mish, have tested positive for COVID-19. And as Mark Saxon noted, if the rest of the team is tested today and tests negative, his report is that they would play tomorrow. Which are two encouraging developments, because when you hear that their tests positive or excuse me, tests multiple that are positive mm-hmm. coming out of the Cardinals organization, you start to immediately think to the Miami situation and think, could we be talking eight, ten, more than that type player? So to think that it could only be two and that they will have a quick turnaround testing and if everyone comes back with negative tests that they could play tomorrow. Two positive developments from a pretty tough situation. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and the great Dan McLaughlin will join us as we cross things over to Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. to do a Cardinal game today. Has a nice sport jacket on. I was dressed to, to the nines. You're ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. great. Oh, thanks, Randy. Yeah, really appreciate it. Greased it up. I was ready to go. <laughs> Love yeah. that jacket, Dan. And uh, the Cardinals have been postponed in Milwaukee today because, according to Craig Mish, our friend, at least, well, he, he's saying that his information is that two Cardinals have tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, it's it's every team's dealing with it every single day, and and it's truly, as a Cardinal official said to me uh, last weekend, um, when things were going so well and prior to the Marlins, everything that was going on with them, the, this Cardinal official said, well, we're day by day. And he meant it. He goes, we're, well, we're here at the ballpark. Things are going well. And, and we'd said, man, things are going great. He said, knock on wood, day by day. And that's where we're at. We're day by day with everything. It just hit me. We use the term house of cards. This is a Jenga game, isn't it? Yes. You're, you're trying to build and you're trying to build it taller and taller. But at some point, inevitably, it's probably going to collapse. Well, the way that things are going, you would look at yeah. it that way. Um, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see what happens this weekend with the Cardinals. Like everybody in Major League Baseball is fascinated. This is not just a local story with the Cardinals because... It, it has tentacles to it. So what do you do now is, and I, I didn't, my phone has just been, as you can imagine, blowing up. I mean, whether it's for me, for my work, or other people that are just curious about what's going on, I don't have intel on what's happening. I'm, I'm just kind of getting the news um, as as you guys are getting it. But the tentacles of this, as it happened with the Marlins, you just played Minnesota, so now it's another division. So what do you do with the Minnesota Twins? Right. You know, do they not play tonight and then th- that has a tentacle for their opponent then it has a tentacle to obviously your opponent if you're the cardinals there is a cancellation with milwaukee how many players ha- are going to test positive that we find out about you don't know um, my understanding is that the cardinal players have been told to stay in their hotel room my understanding would be that they would be given rapid test right now so you would find out with rapid testing mm-hmm. um, who's positive, who's negative, and then you have to go through the MLB protocol again and then figure out what to do at that point. 
Um, do you cancel the game tomorrow? Do you cancel the game on Sunday? From the Cardinals and Brewers' perspective, you have 10 games against each other. Major League Baseball has already said that we have seven inning doubleheaders, so the benefit, if this continues with the schedule, is that you would be able to get these games in. Um, But this is why you have a 30-man roster. This is why you have your taxi squad. This is why you have your satellite camp. It wouldn't be that hard to get players to Milwaukee if you're playing tomorrow, and you should be covered with a 30-man roster if, indeed, there's only one or two players that test positive. So you you conceivably could play tomorrow. Again, that's just me thinking off the top of my head and having no idea what's truly going on in Milwaukee. I mean, that's just what we hear, but that's why you have the 30-man roster. Right, and and I know that teams are reluctant to, to put players on commercial flights. So well, you could drive back. You, you, but you I don't know if you'd want to get, well, that's no. the other thing I was thinking about too. I, you know, I've made that drive multiple times to Milwaukee. I don't think you want to get anybody on a bus. I think you'd want to get everybody in a rental car and say, just here, drive yourself back right, home. Or right. if, if they said, Hey, we're, we're done or we're going to drive to Detroit or whatever the case may be, you could make that yeah. you're in the central division. This is why you align geographically in, in, is to limit travel. That's something to think about. I, I would think that that's on the table. Yeah. I wanted to pass this along. You mentioned that your phone, phone was blowing up. Uh, four or five years ago, I had the model of the Samsung that literally was blowing up. <laughs> you did? Yeah. And mine didn't, but you had to go in and trade it in so that you could get a different phone that didn't blow up. Unless you got five million texts. Uh, there's another interesting tweet here. This one coming from uh, Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Let me go back to it. Okay, news out of Philadelphia where the Marlins have been holed up for over a week. Team is getting sleeper buses to take the infected players and personnel back to Miami. That's a long ride. The rest will stay, then head to Baltimore, New York, and Buffalo what will, for what will be a really long road trip. My understanding, too, with that is that the Marlins, the, there were some that thought that the Marlins, once they do get their roster set, that they may not play a competitive major league game until next by the end of next week. So I thought you were going to say next year. <laughs> no, um, they would have maybe Thursday or Friday would be the first time that they would play, but they would have to have some type of maybe inter squad games just to try to get up to speed, see some pitching, guys get back on the mound, take guys some meet ground balls. Each other, right? Well, they're going to have to have like they've got two players off of waivers. They're, they're literally going to have players that don't know each other when they start. And and who knows what Major League Baseball is doing in their research to figure out exactly how this happened, how this uh, outbreak outbreak happened. Um, and they may say to the Marlins, who knows? Hey, if this was done because it was irresponsible and we don't know how it happened, we have no idea how it happened. But if it was done because people were being irresponsible, they may say to the Marlins. You you got to field the team, you know. If you got to start the clock on JJ Bladé, one of the top prospects in baseball, so be it. And if you got to go out and get Bartolo Colon, uh, if you got to get Logan Forsyth, which they did, and that's how you got to field a team, then that's how you got to you got to play the season. This is on you. But when you've watched the way this Marlins situation has played out, that's what makes me a little nervous about the Cardinals is you're getting two positive tests right now, but then there's potentially an incubation period because we just got word that another Marlins player has tested positive, and that's 18 out of 30 players, 60% of their team, that has tested positive. So while it's only two right now, we won't necessarily know until a few days from now how many people within the organization this truly could have affected. Well, again, we're going to find out. Right. Yeah. I, I, who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, no one knows. Um, but again, if, if the Marlins, 
if they were being being irresponsible and they find that out in the investigation, I think they're going to put that on the Marlins and say that's on you. And there were guidelines set forth by Major League Baseball to act accordingly. And if you didn't, and we find out about that, then we're going to put this on you to field the team, and that's on you to fill that roster, and that's how you're going to have to do it. We don't know what happened with the Cardinals, and and they're not in a bubble. Right. I mean, let's face it. Well, they're not in a bubble. They're acting in society. So th- th- we're finding out, uh, like anybody else, if, you, if you're in society, just look at everyday life with everybody else. The virus finds you. You can't get away from it. So, you know, you go out and get a coffee. You go to the, the store. Your family member does something, your kids, whatever, and they bring it home. Um, there's just nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's just it's part of life. And, and Dan, because of that not knowing anything about the situation, how many players actually do have the the virus or how many players may have been infected. But because it is real life and we see what's happening in real life with 150,000 people dead and uh, all of the positive tests, 4 million positive tests in our country, it really is hard to imagine that 30 teams could navigate this with all the travel and with all of the interactions that all the people on all those teams have to have. Well, Major League Baseball now has put, after the Marlins um, outbreak, they have basically put, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, they, they're trying to police it with people um, from Major League Baseball at the hotels to say, you know, where are you going? You're, what are you doing? You know, why are you going there? Where, what, all that kind of stuff um, to say, you know, why are you going this? Why are you going out? You know, for lack of a better term, those kind of guys are, are there mm-hmm. to police the actions of the players. Um, it, it was going to be tough, I think, when they, they started this. There's not everyday testing. Or if there is, the results don't go get back, I think. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong. It's 36, 48 hours. So it's hard. I mean, it's really, really hard. It's got to be – got to be adherent to social distancing and all the different protocols that are set forth by the CDC and and what we're trying to all do in our everyday lives. But you're confined to clubhouses and dugouts and travel and buses and planes. It's just very, very tough to do. That's that's all there is to it. It's just very hard to do. So I I hope we get through it. I hope it's it's limited and, you know... Let's let's talk about the players that are infected. I hope they get healthy. Yeah, you know, right, right. And same thing with the Marlins players. You know, I mean, I, I hope everybody's healthy. Number one, and we can get back to playing baseball. But um, again, by all accounts, the game. I by the way, I've not heard that the game is officially canceled. Is it? Is Major League Baseball come out with a press release and say it's officially canceled? That's a great point. I don't believe we have had that. Uh, you know, I've but- just heard from reports that it's officially canceled. Now, my assumption is it's canceled. But I have not seen a press release saying that the game is officially canceled yet. <laughs> uh, I just went to MLB's Twitter and I don't. Until see I see that it's officially canceled, yeah, you're going to go and uh, plan on doing a game. I'm I'm going to the studio until I'm told not to. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. That's we should check that to have the Cardinals or the Brewers. Let's see. Huh, interesting. We don't have any official word yet, Dan. You're, that's a great point. So until I'm told it's officially done, I'm 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 waiting for Jack Flaherty to deliver that first pitch. But the Cardinals Strike are one. still in. The, here we are at ten in the morning, and we do know that the Cardinals are still in their hotel. We do know that. Yeah, Derek Gould is on boots on the ground there. Okay. So all right. I'm just saying, man. You just go until you're officially told. You know. Yeah, that's a very good point, and hopefully. 
Mark Saxon's report that if everybody else tests negative that they can play, hopefully that one is on the mark. Let's well, see. hey, here here's the thing. Um, here Here's the question now, though, to advance the story. If, indeed, those reports from Craig Mish and others are true, that it's, let's say, two players, does Major League Baseball, this is, again, why you had a 30-man roster. Yeah. And this is why you had a taxi squad. If that's true and you have rapid testing done today, you're going to get tested again tomorrow, do you go forth and go ahead with the game tomorrow? Or maybe you do a doubleheader tomorrow, right? Yeah, you could. I mean, you've got 10 games inside the Central against Milwaukee. So you're there, play the doubleheader tomorrow, you're back online with your schedule, play the game on Sunday, and move forward. I, I again, I think the Marlins situation has given everybody. Uh, if you're major league, if I'm Rob Manfred, I mean, obviously you're you're pretty nervous. I mean, you're you're, yeah, you're teetering. Oh, big time. You're teetering, right? Right. I mean, you've taken a couple body blows and a shot to the head from Mike Tyson. You're wobbling a little bit here. Yeah. You're real. You're you're nervous, and understandably so. But the original plan was this is what you were. This is why you had these these rosters set up this way. So. You know, if it's a couple of guys, the original plan is, okay, if we had one or two, you quarantine them, you, you take them out, you, you replace them, you hope, you know, that everything goes to plan, those guys get healthy, and you put them back in. So maybe that's what you do. We'll as, see. As Tyson himself said, though, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> well, he, he packed a wallop, and they've, MLB's taking yeah. a wallop right now. So, we'll talk more about this in okay. just you're going to stick around, right? I will be here. I yes, would appreciate sir. it. Yeah. You got it. Uh, great job this whole week by our producer and engineer, Scott Manziara. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Randy. Michelle, this was fun. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Randy. You too. Hopefully you'll watch some Cardinal baseball tomorrow. Fingers crossed. And Fingers crossed. Big and toes. And yeah. toes. Anything Knock you... on wood, whatever. <laughs> seances, whatever. Isn't yeah. it seance? Yeah, seances. We, we were playing Whatever kind of positive vibes yeah. you have, yeah. put it out there. Yeah. I try to be positive too, Michelle. You do, and I appreciate that, Dan. I do. I really do. See? I said it's not canceled yet until I'm told officially. Yeah, I love, I love that. Okay, thank you. We're dealing you. with a lot of stuff. Positivity is not a bad trying, thing. Though. I'm trying. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, <laughs> texting in, and being Please. a part of Character and Smallman until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.